This episode is brought to you by the fine folks at NordVPN. Take advantage of a special holiday season deal for LazerTime listeners only. Go to nordvpn.com slash lasertime and use the code lasertime to get up to 73% off your NordVPN plan, plus a bonus gift. A double shot of Tom Cruise, Charlie Theron is an awful adult, and Robin Williams goes full pan this week on 30 Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, opening up three cozy windows to a pop culture past. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? Diana Goodman, and just put me in the boo box already. <laughs> it's this Sarah, the saddest girl to ever hold a martini. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's actually sleepy time tea tonight. Sleepy time tea? We got like eight There's hours. There's probably a lot through. of sad girls holding a sleepy time tea right now, let's be honest. Why? What's happened? To- oh, oh, ladies, I'm sorry. I have not checked the news. It's been all bad yeah, for you guys lately. Sad ladies love to hold tea, you know? It's true, with two hands. Uh, yep. Welcome to 302010. For me, a fun week, December 10th through the 16th, we'll be looking uh, 30, 20, and 10 years ago in the pop culture past, and that means 1991, 2001, and uh, 2011, and this seems to be the week where all they pull out all the heavy Christmas special stuff in every single decade, so if you don't know me, I used to review and constantly write about and podcast about Christmas specials. I meant to pitch somebody a book, because my, my mother is, was in awe of me the other day. How do you know all this? Like, just from like uh, 18 years of exhaustively covering it. And oh, yeah, I guess I probably did. should do something with this information. I won't blast it all on people here. I want to thank our patrons, like executive producer Chris Parker um, and many other fine people at patreon.com slash laser time. You got yourself a 302010 Classics episode. And as soon as we can, hopefully, a new uh, uh, video game episode. Again, we, you know, personnel hang up, shit happens in our lives. Thank you for your patience. But let's get into 302010, December 10th to the 16th. Why would you need bonus episodes when this week and next week are just so over like we're gonna have enough recommendations to carry you through to february man this is this is it's nuts this is the weirdest week for me in that i think i can say in all three decades the number one movie at the box office is technically good and i hate them in every single every single segment (laughs) i do i really do i don't like any of them really yes they're all bad In, in my yeah. opinion, but I know they're like, these aren't like bad, bad movies. The the worst movie in this segment, I fucking love. It's, <laughs> it is an <laughs> inarguably, objectively bad movie, and I'll, I'll sing its praises to death. So why don't we just get started, so I'm not teasing anyone. 1991, uh, December 10th to the 16th. Little news to bring you to the world of 1991, our first decade. Uh, Richard Gere and Cindy Crawford marry, and they, for, wow, it felt like way longer, because she was. It really did. I mean, obviously, we were, we were younger, and the joke's like, ah, Richard Gere, but it's also Richard Gere. But it was also Cindy Crawford, this girl literally marketed to adults and little kids as a literal poster girl. I had posters mm-hmm. of this woman all over my room. She was very, very pretty. Um, yeah, and- yes. She is freaking stunning. And uh, 30 years later, she still looks amazing, and her daughter looks just like her. Yeah. Oh, it's- my God. Identical. It's not fair. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah, this this couple was everywhere and they must have dated maybe a little while because it does seem like they were together for a really long time yep right right yeah yeah damn those attractive people attractively being together 
And it was I wasn't even like pubescent. I wasn't even pubescent here, and I'm just like, eh, both these people deserve one of their very, very attractive human beings. Okay. Richard Gere, not even the only time he'll appear on this show this week. Would you know it? But yeah, can't wait to see Fair Game. We should be covering that in <laughs> sometime after their divorce. <laughs> oh wait, we covered it our first year. Um, <laughs> thank you, Car Track. Uh, this is great for me. 1991. So I threw it in here because it's expansion team time. You yeah. can tell because their colors are teal. <laughs> Florida Marlins signed their very first player. 16-year-old pitcher Clemente Nunez. Is that is that how you skirt costs? I thought no, man. that Mr. Show sketch was a joke, signing fetuses and stuff. <laughs> no, you get those those players coming out, especially the Caribbean, Dominican Republic, Cuba. Yeah. They're just all-stars by the time they're 13, man. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, and again, big for us. I think I mentioned that in a few episodes before, previous. There's a big overlap in Florida and the Atlanta Braves because it was the closest pro team to the entire state mm-hmm. of Florida, the fourth biggest state landmass wise in our union. And we had to root for the Braves and then getting the Marlins. Everybody was on board. I remember people were wearing, I, if you look at my seventh grade picture, you can see a tiny little mustache coming in, in a Florida Marlins shirt before there's, there'd ever been a game played. Florida was very, <laughs> very, very excited about the Marlins. And, uh, uh, another in, in the news, I'll just file under nice. Uh, Kazakh- nice. <laughs> Kazakhstan declares independence from former USSR. They're Any not of- even USSR anymore, and still Kazakhstan, what? which is geographically giant. Yeah, people act like, ah, oh, it's some little backwater. It's actually a very large country, and they're like, mm. yeah, we're, we're good. Yeah, yeah, we're good. Um, if any of our listeners know more about Kazakhstan than those two movies have told us, please let us know in the comments. Cause <laughs> I hear yes. it's not like that at all. No, actually, I met a guy from Kazakhstan. Really? And um, wah, wah, wee, wah. like <laughs> culturally, heritage speaking, much more Mongolian than Bulgarian. Wow. Wow. Yeah, they're way, way over basically in Asia. Oh. Okay. And I have a Bulgarian in the family. Maybe I can just ask her. Okay. All right. Nineteen ninety one movies. Oh, rag. We all have a Bulgarian in the family. Do you? Mm. You you all have an Aunt Pepe? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish. Yeah. Man, nineteen ninety one movies begins with a kind of a star studded film I've never ever ever heard of. Uh, well, it's an indie Jar- Jim Jarmusch joint. Oh man, man. Ah. it was not in a Jim Jarmusch yet. And where I stand now, also not in a Jim Jarmish, but I have been in a Jim Jarmish previously. <laughs> Isaac de Boncole, Armin Mueller Stahl, and then the names I do recognize Rosie Perez, Giancarlo Esposito, Roberto Banini, Gina Rollins, and Winona Ryder in Night on Earth. Yep. It's kind of a hangout movie. Which no, Jim Jarmish? Most Jim Jarmish movies are, but it's. It's actually a it's a hangout movie that's a series of taxi cab rides in different cities all over the world. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, Winona Ryder's driving a cab and Jen Rowland gets in. He basically get a short film starring them. And then uh, Roberto Benini's driving a cab and there's a priest in the back. And Roberto Benini starts like confessing his sins because like, well, I got this priest here and getting like really raunchy. And the priest gets all upset and. Yeah, Armin Mueller-Stahl is uh, an immigrant in the U.S. and he doesn't know New York very well yet. So he picks up Giancarlo Esposito and I think eventually Giancarlo just starts driving the cab for him. Just like, this is too frustrating. Just let me drive. And it's fun. <laughs> it, it usually is kind of fun. little vignettes. What do you I, want? I don't know how Jim Jarmish discovered Roberto Benigni so early, but he's in like 20 American movies before his breakout <laughs> Italian performances. Makes almost no sense. <laughs> he just likes that guy. Yeah. yeah just, I mean, how can you not like Roberto Benigni? He should be in more stuff. Except the stuff that he writes and directs. I don't care for that very much. But him on Conan, when he traded pants with Conan, that was hilarious. (laughs) Um, That's him. 
and his acceptance at the Oscars also hilarious. And now for perhaps the greatest movie that has ever been covered on 30 Oh, Christ. <laughs> Halle Berry, Daniel Harris, Taylor Negron, uh, no, that's a Stefan reference, Noble Willingham, Chelsea Field, Damon Wayans, and Bruce Willis in The Immortal, The Last Boy Scout. He's a private detective who's run out of luck. He's an ex-quarterback who was thrown from the gate. They were trying to clean up their act when they got dragged into the dirty world of gridiron corruption. Now they've got one shot to get the goods on the bad guys if they don't kill each other first. What am I going to do? Point at the bad guys and shoot! Bruce Willis, Damon Williams, The Last Boy Scout, rated R. Oh, my oh goodness. Oh, my God. <laughs> a movie that feels like a parody of yeah, itself. Yeah, but it's it's Ooh, so yeah. heightened. It opens with a football match. Oh, where... I do love the opening of this movie. Holy shit. And I love the ending. And, and the... everything in between sucks. And the receiver, <laughs> the, the guy holding the ball, running for a touchdown, pulls a gun out of his pants, shoots everyone on the field, then himself after scoring a touchdown. It's like... And then it, the whole the title sequence is a parody. Are you ready for some football? Bruce Willis. Damon Wayne. It's the best. Fu- Dude, it is the best cinematic cheese ever, but it's also like the height of this weird, man, this lethal weapon formula is going to make us money forever. Let's throw as much money as we can to it. So Shane Black, writer of, of Lethal Weapon, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Iron Man 3, They, I believe he scores a record high for a script for a writer. And this is yeah something like one and a half million dollars. It was almost, something like he that? turned down up to $2.5 million for a script oh that they didn't, God. that they didn't know if they'd actually be able to make. I thought they said the script was called die hard. And, yeah. uh, and <laughs> yeah, I believe it was, it's, it's called die hard. And they took that for another movie with Bruce Willis and changed the name to the last boy scout. But that was because of Joel Silver, who produced both of these films. And, uh, and apparently got very hands-on on this one. This sounds like the making of it was a nightmare. Yeah. And everything I read is because, like, everyone thinks they're the alpha male. Yeah. And it's just, like, so much fucking testosterone and swinging your dick around. But it's it's, and, it's fascinating. Like, and then it gets, they have trouble editing it, and they bring in other yes. writers. Yes. They bring in edit, like, they try to save it. And it's directed by Tony Scott, who's being the most tony scott he has ever yeah and that's why it feels so over the top there's always these like giant clouds and sunsets and like it looks like there's a tire fire everywhere or there's just like steam black smoke rolling through shots and you're like but why do you know how how uh true romance is very very technically the worst quentin tarantino movie because it was directed by Mm -hmm. tony Mm -hmm. scott and this is a very similar instance of a very distinct screenwriter being translated through, I, oh, I don't know, I guess at the time, like Hollywood's most mainstream, dependable bad boy, Tony Scott. He has mm-hmm. a style, and sometimes it works for me. And in this case, it does, because it feels like the very, very end of whatever this formula is. And mm-hmm. it's loud, stupid, the characters are dumb, pretty unlikable. Damon Wayne is especially miscast. Uh, oh yeah, it, it, yeah. I, I feel bad for him. I mean, everyone has an endless supply of C four. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> every character is able to plant a bomb whenever they feel like. Yes, it is. It yeah. is a video game come to life. It should be a video game. Everyone has ter- like wonderfully terrible lines of dialogue. It has Halle Berry in it, and she is murdered in front of you almost immediately. That's how much stuff this movie has going on. It is, it is absolutely incredible. Somewhere there's a dead squirrel. Is everything now, about this movie like is great? Stefan. 
Taylor Taylor Negron falls through a helicopter blade. It is just. Oh, yes. (laughs) That is one of the most brutal movie deaths I've ever seen. (laughs) I'm kind of surprised. Like, I guess they they were heading towards NC-17 for violence. And somehow I don't like what did you cut that a dude becoming blenderized by a helicopter is still okay. Yeah, they you just see like. Like a car wash bucket full of blood hit the helicopter windshield. <laughs> it's so it's, great. It's, yeah. And it's the one of the dumbest stories ever. It's a grizzled private. Shane Black has done this better a, not with nice guys and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang a billion times over. But yeah. it, it just seems like a very young director, young screenwriter who's been told, dude, you're super hot. Do whatever you want. Follow your instincts. Actually, you can't blame this script because there's a lot of other really stupid stuff going on throughout this film. And yeah. again, the editing is all over the place. Damon Wayne shouldn't be in this film. Yeah. It, something, something bribery, something, something football, something Senator. Yeah. Ah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Football mm-hmm. bribery. And a, a private detective has to get to the bottom of it. And it's also the guy it's, it's confusing. It's very, very confusing. Oh wait, no, he's guarding the Senator who is smacking around the girl and he became a disgraced private eye because of that but no one no one forgets when bruce willis's character saved the president that one time as a secret agent so he's same same with damon wayne's fallen football quarterback character it 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 looks it really reads more like a pilot for lethal weapon sequels and and it doesn't get there at all and but if you were a little kid my age this shit was everywhere and it like it's nobody's favorite anything it's i think if you're a little kid there's no way you would find this bad for me it's the it's it's what do you call that? One of those family branches that goes to nowhere. Like this is where movies were going, and this branch didn't didn't go anywhere. Didn't didn't sprout anything. But mm-hmm. that that's that's how movies evolve, and it's it's the end of the evolution of that Lethal Weapon format. And and I think it's fucking hysterical and the yeah. prototypical Josh Whedon horseshit. And it's just it's laughable and like. Oh fuck! That that must have cost a lot. Holy shit! That's a great stunt. <laughs> um, everything about it is is every second of this film is watchable, especially yeah. the regrettable moments. But to laugh at, not yes. with. There's a lot of laugh. I, the, it I, is. Yeah, the last Boy Scout is so over the top in such a cheesy way that you're just like, did they think this was good? Did they or? <laughs> Are they doing this on purpose? Do they and think that line no, was like cool? the best comedy is when you play things incredibly straight? Yeah, Did they think that was cool when Bruce Willis just sits there and talks to himself. Yeah, you stupid loser, fucking smile, fucko. Yeah, yeah, like this <laughs> scene should be cut immediately, like just from the entire movie or at least a half. It's all wonderfully terrible. <laughs> it's wonderfully yeah. terrible, and you can see just where where we were in 1991, where like the public collectively said. Hey, maybe back. Maybe don't try this hard again. (laughs) Bruce Willis talks to himself in movies. He does more often than most people do. That's where the Yippie Kaye line comes from. It's right. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, come to the coast, have a few laughs. Right. (laughs) Uh, But I can't recommend the Last Boy Scout enough. It's on Netflix, so. Um, anybody, I'm guessing most people listening to this can watch it without having to pay a cent. Um, so stupid. And, and again, as, a, and as, a, as an aspiring writer, you, former aspiring writer, you read that like, oh shit, you can get $2 million for a script. I'm not sure that's ever happened again or that they stopped disclosing how much mm. money they pay for scripts. I'm sure it's not $2 million. <laughs> not the way that the uh, movie culture has been. Movie economics has been pretty decimated by streaming and COVID, so I don't think anybody's going to get two mil for a script ever again. Yeah. Moving you know on. What? Mm-hmm. You know what's a, a weird factoid? Hmm. This next movie, 
the top two stars and the director did not take salaries. Really? What? They only took percentages. Oh, shit. That's, yeah. that's confidence. That is confidence. I wish we were live so I could see when like the rest of the listening audiences gets this as we read the cast backwards. Dante Bosco, Carolyn Goodall, Amber Scott, Maggie Smith playing an old woman 20 years <laughs> before she's McGonagall in a movie we talked about weeks ago. Um, <laughs> or Downton Abbey. Yeah, yep. Downtown she's Abbey. A very old person. Uh, what about Bob's Charlie Corsmo? Uh, oh, I gave it away. Bob Hoskins, Julia Roberts, Dustin Hoffman, and Robin Williams. Number one at the box office this week. It is by Crook or this. It's it's Hook. Whatever. TriStar Pictures and Steven Spielberg bring you a remarkable new film. Don't you know who you are? That will stir the imagination. Where are we going? Neverland. And touch the heart. I believe in you. This holiday, give your family the gifts of wonder, magic, and enchantment. <laughs> Robin Williams, Julia Roberts, Bob Hoskins, and Dustin Hoffman as Hook. Ready PG, now playing at a theater near you. Oh, hook, 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 hook. Pan, pan, pan if you remember the merchandise commercials. I was so the right age to be absorbed into the world of Hook. Yet Me somehow too. was not. Nope. And I loved this movie as a child, and... I have nothing but fond memories for it, and I never really understood the criticism. So lay it on me. The, the criticisms, I, I, I don't think, are not the are not in the majority, and, and only like recently have I heard mm. other people agree with me because, like, mm. you know, I remember like I'm dating and I'm going to friends' houses, and that thing you do where you look through your old childhood VHSs, and everybody had Hook but me. Yeah. I saw I, well, I saw this in, I, a, in a theater, he, and I just remember it was just one of those instances of like I'm a big Spielberg, Robin Williams. Bob Hoskins, Dustin Hoffman, <laughs> Peter Pan fan. This is exactly what I want. And like, man, I walked to the theater like, did that suck? I didn't like that. And as an adult, I, I have plenty more breakdowns. But Di, what were you about to say? I was going to say, I think it's it's kind of a two-track, the history, where it's, if you saw it as a kid, you have fond memories. And mm -hmm. the the reviews were bad. A lot of people didn't like it. The grownups didn't like it. Spielberg didn't like it. They just... Yeah, if you watch it without the blinkers of nostalgia on, you just kind of like, mm. well, geez. Like, okay, there's good stuff in there, but what? Let's start with the length. It yes. is two oh, hours oh, and oh, 15 oh. minutes. Hey, we take an, uh, 45 minutes to an hour to get to Neverland. It does take and such it a takes long time. A while. And, and, and uh, like, my one positive I have in my notes, great sets. One of the, the some of the greatest the, sets yes. I've ever seen in my no, entire life. Expensive. Oh. That My is, goodness. And and but I'm a again, let me say right now I'm a massive Peter Pan fan and I didn't I've never had anything that felt like this movie until re semi recently when I went to a movie theater with my friend and her children to see Christopher Robin, a movie written by adults, seemingly for adults and kids might enjoy this where we get to see what a grown-up character in a world full of crystallized childhood looks like and like who would want this? What kid was asking for Christopher Robin to grow up and then and then focus a movie on it? What are you doing? And so, like, <laughs> I wanted nothing more than to see more Peter Pan. And the first 45 minutes of this movie, I'm just, well, the other thing I have in my notes, that is the first cordless cell phone I've ever seen in my life is in the movie Hook. Um, I don't know if that was the case for you, but it's, it's a huge part of the fucking film, <laughs> his cell yeah. phone. Well, it's just, it, it's like every bad dad cliche. Yes. And they get really repetitive. Like, it's I... I get kids, it. Kids okay. should feel nothing He's an for this. inattentive dad. But it's but but like I'm saying, that's 40 minutes of setup that kids are going to be like, 
Come on! Get to the fireworks factory. Holy shit. Why are we spending 40 minutes on this these adult problems? Who is this movie for? Kids yeah. or adults? And and that's that's my huge part of it. Another fucking point of it is Captain Hook is trapped in Neverland. That's why he's there. That's why him and Peter Pan fight. Why did Captain Hook leave Neverland to kidnap Peter Pan's fucking kids? Oof. Captain Hook's whole thing is getting out of Neverland. This movie is dumb from the beginning. <laughs> and it, changed, it, it, it wants to be the Disney version so bad. And like, I, I think if it was made at Disney, I might have like liked it a little more because people would have looked like they did. But mm. So instead, to make this palatable, Peter Pan fucks Wend- Wendy's child. That is horrible. <laughs> that is a horrible solution to get to this story. It is very mm. disturbing. I adopted you, and then you, I got you adopted, and then you started to see my daughter, and I was all for that. There was a lot of romantic shit between you and Wendy. Holy fuck, you wooed her. I, I, only, I only married you because I wooed your grandmother. Like this Is, is this a Futurama yeah. episode or a fucking... <laughs> <laughs> okay, I remember... So I remember watching this as a child, and it, like all of those relationships playing out sort of on screen and being very confused by them, but just kind of going into little kid brain and being like, yeah, but I love the food fight scene. So I'll just keep that- watching it for that stuff, you know, and, and the yeah. like treehouse adventure feel of it all. That, that like, shit is, I, is great. I had a really mm. bad day today, very bad day. And so I came home and I was getting ready for the show and I was like, I'm going to throw hook on i kind of didn't want to revisit it because i really want to preserve those great memories it was yeah. definitely a movie that i watched a lot with my cousins growing up at my grandparents house and so i put it on and i'm immediately stressed out because it's just grown-up problems yes the movie. <laughs> yeah. and i'm like great more of this you please. don't you don't see neverland for 40 45 minutes you don't see peter pan for over an hour over mm-hmm. an hour like why did we, why, why are we doing this? <laughs> I kidna- I forgot also as a child to me how disturbing the kidnapping aftermath scene is. For the parents mm. to be coming home yeah. and the house be such a ransacked. The big um hook like rip through the wall just freaked me out so much as a child. Yeah, if it weren't for the that- sets like are, do you promise this was written? This doesn't yeah. feel written. This feels like spitballed. Mm. This is very th- intense. There's so many ways to get back to Neverland, even if you wanted to cast adults in those starring roles. And it's ultimately, it's like brown, beige, boring Peter Pan, and I fucking hated it. And it all feels so much cheaper than the, than the yeah. cartoon. I think the moment when he actually does fly and he flies over the water, I was like, oh my God, bright colors, thank you. <laughs> because, yeah, we are in like tree houses a lot. Yes. And just, yeah. I it, like you can't quite find a tone yeah. that mm-hmm. ever hits right. Like, I mean, Peter Pan is supposed to be pretty playful, but then like kids are fucking getting murdered. <laughs> um, and there's such a, it's supposed to be like a shocking moment when, oh no, Rufio, no. And it's, I'm just like, what? <laughs> I, I will we're, say, Rufio. We're doing this now? Character design wise, Rufio is one of the coolest characters of 90s cinema. It's like, okay. You're welcome to well, that. Like, I understand, like, we already had stakes. He's trying to get his kids back, mm-hmm. but now children are getting murdered by this adult man. Yeah, Captain Hook is seducing Sigmund from What About Bob into being yeah. his child. And and yeah. that's that Dustin Hoffman's Hook is like transfixing and wonderful. And 
I, I like why even name the movie like this? Oh, it's this is the best part of the movie, Dustin Hoffman's hook. Yeah, that, that, I, that's why I, you name I agree. It it's like at least he is going for it. Yes, <laughs> he is. He's like I only had one scene in Dick Tracy. I'm gonna have my Dick Tracy moment in this hook movie, <laughs> and and everything else about it I think is fucking terrible. I think, and I, I this is a hot take, but not really. But like when I saw that Return to Neverland. Disney straight to video yet hit theaters follow up like that's what I wanted from another Peter Pan movie not this uh, mm-hmm. and, and I, I I don't know I think everybody's pretty wasted here I think Steve this is my second least favorite Spielberg movie ever this oh. is yeah it, it's that <laughs> I don't even know how this fit on one VHS this is so long it is yeah. so long and excruciating yeah I'm just I feel like Julia Roberts is miscast yeah. and I guess she was having like a real bad time and she was kind of tough to work with because like she had just broken off her engagement with Kiefer Sutherland like right before the wedding and she's having like and everyone's just she's the new star and they just like won't leave her alone and she hasn't figured her shit out yet and and they also don't yeah. seem like other than like she's like a, she's she, another one that's like are you from a different movie yeah she's she's mm. sitting in a different movie the whole time she's not on the fun sets doing stuff she she's Tinkerbell and some of those scenes are like so like wow how did they do that like to this day like how did she shake Captain Hook's hand that looks really neat um, mm. But other than that, I think this movie is Nostalgia 101. Like, if you want to look how nostalgia blinds us, like, this movie's fucking terrible. And, and like, for yeah. no one. And, like, Spielberg, one of the, the, the best person I've ever seen make an, a kid-appropriate movie that adults can feel, seemingly loses that altogether. And, like, makes... Sometimes I feel like... I, I remember as a kid, like, this is for babies. But then we have the 40-minute, like... Oh, I gotta pay more attention to my kids. Like, yeah. Like, I saw so so many reviews who just said, like, yeah, this movie's for boomers. Yeah, it, it, yes. Oh, this I movie is ultimately for, boomers. for adults. These boomers are turning forties, and and they're like like yes. Robin Williams and Steven Spielberg both. You know, really love the idea of Peter Pan. They're both people who you know never want to grow up. But oh, now they have kids and responsibilities, and people tell them what to do. And, oh, you forgot the fun of life because oh, no, they this... have responsibilities because they're forty. And this viewing was even more like a so dripping with boomerisms like oh i work too much because i make so much money like oh. where's we where we sit now like i wish i could work more hours i have two children none of us are having the problems these characters are in the movie at all that's fair at all and that's and fair. it's it's totally unrelatable and dumb i'm honestly kind of glad then i could not get through the first part <laughs> of it to watch the rest of it to kind of ruin my memories of it because mm. I think it was such a fond part of a lot of us growing up uh our memories especially I don't know I kind of felt like this was like a grown-up version of watching the cartoon and as a little kid who always mm. wanted to, to be, be a grown-up grown up, that uh. it felt fun for me in that way I think as a little kid it was also very thrilling to me because I found the whole idea of like the kidnapping of these children, taking them to a place where they have to be in nature, basically camping was very scary to me as an English <laughs> child who was very close to my parents. <laughs> or how about how about maybe so I think that was like personally like whoa, this is very outside of my comfort zone. <laughs> maybe if the movie appealed to the little kid who always wanted to grow up, the movie missed the mark. That that's oh, not damn. that is not who the movie is for at all. That's. Damn, Why this property? Right. I tried to say that <laughs> as best as I could without insulting you personally. <laughs> but, no, that's fair. That's but fair uh, criticism. Yeah, for for but I don't know. I I think I I dislike this a lot, and I like everybody involved a lot. Yeah. Um, I had a little hook origins thing because every like Steven Spielberg wanted to make this for de- for like a decade. 
And Robin Williams is like, yeah. fuck yeah, I, Peter Pan is my actual favorite movie. I will, And I haven't been in a Disney movie yet. And uh, I have this little clip of this thing like when we did, shit, like almost 10 years ago when Robin Williams died. This is Robin Williams' hook origins, and I love it. Uh, it's from an Epcot ride called Back to Neverland. And it was made in, I think, 89, several years before this comes out. And yeah. it begins with Walter Cronkite talking about the magic of animation. This is Walter Cronkite here at the Disney Animation Studio. Today we'll have a unique look how their films are created. Well, sir, you sir there. Yes, sir. Could you give us a little help today? Oh, yes, sir. Well, you're, wait a minute, you're Walter Cronkite. That, and that's the way it is. Hold on, Walter, can you just a moment? <laughs> how you doing? Name's Robin. Nice to be but you can call me Chuck. <laughs> Robin, what's your favorite Disney film? Well, to be honest, Walter, I think Fantasia has a certain Fellini-esque kind of quality, but it doesn't. my real favorite is Peter Pan, boy. I mean, Never Never Land. Oh, little pixie dust and you could fly, you know? So that was true. Robin Williams really liked that movie. And just if, when I found this from MGM Studios, if you've watched his comedy special, he, I think the, the stinger is this giant string of Walter Cron- Cronkite bits and all the dirty <laughs> jokes that he told. Robin Williams would eventually play Peter Pan in a movie and not just a lost boy as a, process to teach you about animation at MGM Studios, I believe. And my absolute favorite is he is dressed in a yellow Hawaiian shirt holding an old-timey camera with a goofy hat. And by goofy hat, I mean with the nose and teeth. And when you see the, the genie when you see the genie at the end of Aladdin, he's dressed like Robin Williams in this sequence. Whoa. So it goes on to forecast so many things a Robin Williams fan would end up knowing about him. That, that it is Eric Goldberg specifically made his outfit at the end of Aladdin a reference to this his first Disney collaboration, this Epcot MGM project. Anyway, Hollywood Studios project. Hook is not good if you like it all fine. for it. But if, if you know, you... you know, you like it, fine. You know, people have love for things that they saw as kids and they can just I... paper over the problems with the power of imagination and whatever. You know what? I don't want to fight with people who just have nostalgic love for things because yeah. I just know deep in my heart that I am right because kids are dumb. It's also more powerful than fair. like objective Tough criticism. Nostalgia is a powerful Sorry. drug. It's why it's why we started doing this show because it's yeah. so much fun to talk about. So I don't. I'm not trying to take that away from anybody, but I'm also like, like, don't try and argue with me. <laughs> it's a good movie. Never yeah, do just, that to just, me. You like what you like. You like That's what you fun. Like. And, and and both things can be true. Yeah. yeah. And you can I, be I just and you can still love it. A movie I didn't grow up with and is it objectively it. terrible. The Last Boy Scout had a blast with. What are you gonna do? Listen to a different yep. show. Maybe I'm not the guy for you. Yeah. You know, and if what comes up again and I am in a better headspace than I am today, I'll probably watch it and still feel love for it. And honestly, sometimes, not always, but sometimes hearing legitimate criticisms deepens your viewing experience of something that you have nostalgia for because, yeah. you know, you're able to compare and contrast and feel growth and still feel love. Yeah. Why not and, both? You know? Oh. Why not both? Well, moving on to television of 1991. I wish I could play a clip from you from Steve Martin hosting Saturday Night Live this week. The cold open, I would put this up here with the best cold open I've ever seen in my life. It involves the entire cast, a song clearly sung in camera by people who are not singers, but all about not going to phone it in tonight, how they're not going to to sleep through the show tonight. Self-deprecating, a wonderful music number that happens all around Studio 8H. And I don't remember who told me this, but I don't know if I've said, or, or who's, not told me this, but somebody I heard from SNL that Lauren, whenever they're doing stuff behind the scenes at SNL, when they're going underneath the stage, they hire like 
a guy dragging a camel and an Elvis impersonator, so it just looks like an old Hollywood lot. <laughs> that happens to this day, even though, like, you know, Elvis never shows up on a sketch later. Here there's, like, Santa Claus and an alien as they dance around. But, like, everybody, Dana Carvey, Chris Rock, Phil Hartman, Chris Farley, Victoria Jackson is doing pirouettes. It's fucking amazing. While Steve Martin goes and sings about how rich and he is and how sorry he is about being lazy on the show his last couple times hosting. It's the best. I would put this up there, top three cold opens of all time. I don't even know what the monologue is after this because he has to be out of breath. He's been singing and dancing (laughs) while wearing a suit. And then they go on from that to do a great Nat X sketch, uh, Actors Theater, and uh, perhaps one of the greatest commercial parodies of all time, Schmidt's Gay premieres <laughs> this week on <laughs> SNL this Saturday. Schmidt's Gay. It is. I cannot recommend watching that again. If you do, you want to know? Are you studying film and want to know what the male gaze is? <laughs> this really emphasizes that because it is the gay gaze. But if it is also a male gaze, and Adam Sandler's kind of like you know smiling through it, but Chris Farley is like, I am a bro. And I am into fucking hot men. And I am, whoa, acting his ass off. It is awesome. (laughs) Schmidt's gay, the straight beer for gay men, if you've never seen it. We also have the finale of Where's Waldo slash Where's Wally, if you're in England. Um, That cartoon happens. Uh, We also have a TV movie, Nightmare in Columbia County, which I think is, this is only archived because it features a very, very young Jerry Ryan um, Uh. in this, but probably ripped from the headlines. Based on a true story, her sister was kidnapped. Please don't kill my sister. Then she became the sheriff's bait. Kidnapper has a fascination with you. If he saw you again, it might trigger a call. Please let her go. The voice on the phone had no pity. The sheriff had no clues. The next victim had no place to hide. I'll be waiting for you. Can William Devane stop a nightmare in Columbia County? <laughs> but yes, using his second victim as bait to draw out a kidnapper, murderer. I'm not watching so, this movie. Based on a true story, it's also known as Victim of Beauty, the Don Smith story. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, Don a, is the, the bait, yeah. Victim of Beauty? So she's, she's, she's so a literal beautiful beauty. she deserves to get murdered? No, no, she's a, a, a pageant winner. She's a literal pageant winner, so she's using her fame to try and lure out the person who kidnapped her sister. Not excusing the description of that, uh, because I'm here to excuse Dinosaurs, a show I think is phenomenal. I believe on Disney+. Plus. Jim Henson show. Well, it, the show is way darker than you remember. Yeah, that is true. This episode is like very anti-capitalistic, but it's Refrigerator Day as we learn about the holiday that the dinosaurs celebrate before Cough, cough, Jesus Christ is born. <laughs> so <laughs> what do the people in Pangea celebrate instead of Christmas in this refrigerator day? What's refrigerator day? I already told you. Oh, was I listening? Refrigerator day is when dinosaurs celebrate the one invention that made modern civilization possible. Diapers? No. Although that was an important one, too. Especially in summer. Before refrigerators, dinosaurs couldn't store food. So they always had to be on the move looking for things to eat. And their feet were sore. Their ankles were swollen. Blah, blah, blah. Now they got to start. They got to settle down, start families. The story of basically their version, their and our version of agriculture, Refrigerator Day. Uh, I I don't know. I always like that for some reason. It's, yeah. It made way more sense yeah. to worship that device. It's a very creative take, honestly. I, I 
you've seen a lot of, I feel like, Christmas alternatives or, alle- you know, allegories. And this, I kind of feel like, is off of love well, I mean, and I love it. That's why I always stick up for dinosaurs. They They did couch some sitcom tropes in some really kind of dark subject matter about, like, religion and drugs and uh capitalism because they could get away with more than tim the tool man taylor could um this mm. week who is souping up his wife's vacuum behind his back can you believe when those were like descriptions of <laughs> what you can look forward to tonight oh, oh <laughs> on cbs they rerun mickey's christmas carol on the 13th that i just want to point that out mickey's christmas carol we've all seen that right Yep. Not even 10 years old in 1991. It is very, wow. very, very young. It is from 83, wow. yeah. And, but this week also on on ABC, they are airing a brand new Christmas special, Winnie the Pooh and Christmas 2. And that has never been available again outside of its Christmas special status. And by that, I mean it is technically included in the feature-length film A Very Merry Pooh Year, but they... <laughs> Edit. <laughs> Stop laughing, Sorry, Diana. Go up, Diana. Um, <laughs> but they re-edit. They they edit the show and they cut it. They change the voice actors because they're trying to make it coherent within a feature-length film. And uh, of course, they cut out the best part of any Disney special at this point. And by that, I mean the worst. Uh, Michael Eisner's Uncle Walt-esque introductions. Uh. This you can only find buried in the deep hearts of Daily Moshes and Metatubes. But I got it for you. I'm here with Winnie the Pooh, Eeyore, and Rabbit. Hello. And we're celebrating the holiday season by spending a quiet evening at home trimming the Christmas tree. Yes. Hello. I'm Michael Eisner, head of the Walt Disney Company. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays. Ditto. That is Michael Eisner standing around a bunch of creeps in suits, but who are also given the voices of the cartoon characters. It's something I hope you never have to endure and look forward to and be nostalgic for. Yeah. Is Okay. Really did have some sort of weird like child wanting to be adult syndrome because I always love the Michael Eisner no, like it, introductions. I did. I didn't the hate adult it. Comes on and is like, "Hey kids, uh, and, and, <laughs> and being for you, being a and I'm in a suit. <laughs> being a moronic Disney fan means you like kind of got to hate Michael Eisner because he's kind of a bad guy in the history of the company now. But he wasn't here, and he would do what Walt did in the magical world of Disney. He would introduce what you were about to see. And it was mm. folksy and charming, and I always liked it. Um, yeah, look up I... Super DuckTales. It's hilarious. By that, I mean terrible and kitschy. But uh, the, uh, the Winnie the Pooh and Christmas 2 is a Christmas special. It is also special that we cover the show in the way that we do. This is not the last time you'll hear this airing in just this episode. So mm. if you think it's nothing, you make a Christmas special that airs for a decade. So hold on. Let's keep going to the video games of 1991. Tecmo Super Bowl is out this week for the NES. I don't know if it's out for the Super Nintendo, but it was confusing because tech shit. Super Tecmo Bowl, Tecmo Super Bowl is out on the NES and the Super Nintendo. But also, at a big major announcement, the first Civilization has been released ooh. by Microprose. Did you just ooh, Diana? We have Civilization I did fans? just ooh. You like your Sid Meier's? I like my Civilization games. Just like I like my Sim Cities. I like just, just messing around. Building and destroying. Building and destroying. Building and destroying. <laughs> Such is life, you know? But yeah, with no Sid Meier's name, but the first Civ is out this week. And uh, that's incredibly significant for uh, uh, millions of gamers out there. Moving into the music of 1991, Black or White by Michael Jackson is still number one. And new releases include, Diana? Nothing. Nothing. I could find wow. no new releases. <laughs> it's too close to Christmas. They don't want to ship stuff out. Yeah. I get it. Gift cards aren't as much of a thing yet. You get gift certificates, which are losable 
and you can't get it back. Aww. Man, and they expire. They expire. They expire. Oh my god. Yep, it sucks. But I do. I can recommend. I hate recommending other podcasts because we should be your only podcast because we cover everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. um, waiting for impact with Dave Holmes oh, is I love him so much. A, a great look at just the music of 1991 in particular. Uh, Dave Holmes, the old uh, MTV VJ, and he talks about that a lot in his experience as a VJ. And it starts with a moment in the Motown Philly video by Boys to Men. Remember, they're introducing the East Coast family, Boys to Men, ABC and BBD. But there's a fourth band in there called Sudden Impact, which are five yes. white guys in ties who point at the camera for two seconds. And he wants to find out what the fuck happened to those guys. Did they ever release an album? Why didn't they release an album? Why are they in this video? Where else could they be? How did they get signed? What's their deal? What happened with them? And ends up going down very interesting rabbit holes about music in 1991. Michael Bivens coming out a new edition. It's got, I I don't even want to spoil some of the surprises of who ends up getting questioned about this, who ends up being involved. Someone from uh, an episode of a TV show we talked about last week that was musical, Hmm. had a musical career and is involved in this somehow okay where did sudden impact go it also gets into like how 1991 is a big changing moment for the music industry and how michael jackson's dangerous will get knocked out of the number one spot by nevermind mm-hmm. and they're also changing how they were figuring out the billboard charts right at this moment in 1991 and it was based on like self-reported shit and now it's going to be based on like data barcodes and mm. actual data it's really it rambles a whole bunch but waiting for impact was very very interesting thinking about 1991 you say dave holmes yeah dave holmes yeah i like dave holmes love that guy voted for him to be a vj one time okay. <laughs> don't lie you voted oh. for jesse i did not vote for jesse camp no i'm glad he's missing or was last i heard about him but anyway oh. uh let's close out with what uh finale by cc peniston finally Ooh, <laughs> by, finally by come out finally an anthem it's happened to me right in front of my face and I, I just can't believe it. Oh, that, I got it. I got it. I didn't know what song this was. Now I do. Let's close us out with this 90s banger. We'll be right back. We have said it before, but here at the Laser Time Network, we consume a lot of content for quote-unquote research purposes, especially around the holidays. But there are times when it's nearly impossible to find a particular holiday special or movie that isn't available here in the U.S. for some reason. That's why we couldn't be happier that NordVPN provides an easy-to-use workaround. With just one click, we can access content from 59 different countries safely and securely so we can get the games, TV shows, and movies we need to do our jobs. That also means we can access international content as soon as it's available in other countries without having to wait for it to come to the States. Can you imagine if we had access to something like this back in the 80s and 90s with Japanese game releases? Oh, man. And if you're traveling out of the country for the holidays, rest assured NordVPN will help you ensure you never miss an episode of your favorite show as soon as it airs back home. Doing some holiday shopping? You can even find discounts on games, movies, TV shows, and streaming subscriptions by taking advantage of international sales and pricing. 
Speaking of sales, right now, NordVPN is offering a special holiday season deal for LazerTime listeners. Go to nordvpn.com slash lasertime and use the code lasertime to get 73% off your NordVPN plan plus a bonus gift. This offer will not last long, so go to nordvpn.com slash lasertime and use the code lasertime. That's one word, lasertime, to get your bonus gift and up to 73% off. What are you waiting for? Do it! Hold up! What is going on there with your body here? It's time to trim those trees. Groom Santa's beard. Deck the halls and shave the balls. Clean up Candy Cane Lane. Tidy up that elf on the shelf. Shovel some snow down below. In other words, it's time to trim the The hair hair down down there. Gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season with two Manscaped Holiday Bundles. The Manscaped Perfect Package 4.0 Luxury Grooming Gift Kit includes the following. The Lawnmower 4.0 with advanced skin-safe technology to reduce nicks and cuts. The Crop Preserver Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant. Crop Reviver Ball Spray Toner to keep your precious groin ornaments as fresh as a newly cut Christmas tree. And the Magic Mat Disposable Shaving Mats. Not to be confused with this Magic Mat. Plus, the Perfect Package 4.0 includes two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, valued at $39.99, and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxers, valued at $19.99. And if you want to go big while making certain body parts look big, upgrade to the Performance Package 4.0, which includes everything from the Perfect Package 4.0, plus the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer with proprietary skin-safe technology. It'll help you whack those nasty little weeds in your delicate holes. Manscaped also offers tons of items that would make perfect stocking stuffers, like the Crop Mop Ball Wipes, the Foot Duster Foot Deodorant made to fight odors of the dirtiest feet, or the Refined Cologne, a clean and fresh scent designed for the refined gentleman. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code LASERTIME at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the code LASERTIME. One word. It's time to join the Manscaped movement. This is Snow Joke. Say it loud and proud. Manscaped. Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Coming into 2001 with You Got a Bad by Usher. It's number one this week. Hooray, Usher. Oh, wait, no, he wasn't He wasn't big in the last decade, was he? He was big in the in last the decade. In the, in the end of the night, not 1991. Oh. New release is 2001, December 10th to the 16th. We got Blue Bob by David Lynch. Excuse me? I uh, tried to find more. I could not. <laughs> I guess he was working with a musician and put on an album. I desperately tried to find a track from it and could not. Are you kidding Please, if someone people. has it out there, please put it online. I want to hear the song stylings of David Lynch. This Actually, is, I think they're instrumentals. But. This is my cover of Tambourine Man. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Better Days by Joe is also out this week, as is Infamy by Mob Deep. Uh, the Return of the Regulator by Warren G. And Rocksteady by No Doubt is out this week. A uh, huge album from them. Yeah. Mm. And Winona Ryder making it into another segment of 202010. Oh. But not for the right, not for the, the best of reasons. Winona Ryder mm. is arrested on shoplifting charges in Beverly Hills. And mm. why was this such a big deal? <laughs> I don't know. And I hate that, honestly. I hate it for her. Yeah. Well, in, in and hindsight, it didn't. Just follow her for so long. 
Yeah, and she he talked about it and doesn't explain like what was going on. It seems like she was in a bad headspace and things were going weird for her and she just really needed a break and wasn't thinking very clearly and so she she bought like three thousand dollars worth of stuff but tried to walk out with like another five mm-hmm. and uh was arrested and she got well it's at like a really fancy boutique too so that's probably yeah. like oh, well. five shirts tops <laughs> it's like yeah, you know, maybe. one pair of kanye Two shoes <laughs> yeah exactly that, that's a person a pair of socks and she you know she got uh, probation and community service and just kind of went home and was like i just need to stop the tabloids treat i remember just treating this like any other scandal like can you believe it will she ever work again is her career destroyed no and no and no it's not well, it's just not a big it deal damaged it her. real bad yeah we didn't see her for i guess you're right she didn't, i didn't see her until like oh she's starring in What's mr on? deeds an adam sandler movie but then like oh, yeah okay the, yeah and she's coming off of like girl interrupted like her right. career's doing pretty well mm-hmm. but yeah yeah she, i think she was just burned the fuck out and she needed the break and unfortunately yeah she couldn't just say you know what i'm gonna take three years off yeah sometimes she, just, she probably yeah, should have done but i understand it's very difficult if you listen to bonus time patreon.com slash laser time even i know the thrill of stealing from a faceless corporation it's <laughs> it's just true that doesn't go away it's just upsetting that she was reviled or uh, on the outs for so long after something like this which is in the grand scheme of things, right. not a huge harm to society. It, or does, it, it does feel like, what decade is this? Did you really have to get your best PR spinners on this? James Brolin yeah. from Hail Caesar to deal with Winona Ryder shoplifting news? No one gave a shit. Yeah. But oh, it's no. also revisiting that. I think that would be an interesting, I mean, it doesn't need to be a whole show or whatever, but like in the light of what we are also now revisiting as a culture right. with Janet Jackson's scandal, Britney and Spears, Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. Like, I do think that that is another interesting lens to view the demands that we put yeah. on people, especially women. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just in general, burnout is real. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just, like, it's and, less a crime than a symptom. Right. Right. Or, or, or the, the way the paparazzi will cover this one incident, a thing that happened one time. How do you think they'd cover a relationship or mm-hmm. an ongoing factor in a celebrity's life, considering like this, this was a one and done thing. <laughs> but they talked about it for years. It followed her yeah. for years. Yeah. Uh, shoplifting. Anyway, 2001 movies, December 10th to the 16th. Pinheiro with Mandy Patinkin, Rita Moreno, Giancarlo Esposito. Will he be, yep. oh, can he be coast to coast 30, 2010 or this week? Talisa Soto and Benjamin Bratt. Yep. So this is a biopic of a Puerto Rican. I mean, his life sounds really interesting that he was like a Puerto Rican gang member in New York. He went to prison a whole bunch and then he became a playwright and a poet. And it's like the reviews were okay, And I had trouble tracking it down because, yeah, Benjamin Bratt is one of those guys. It's like he was always about to become a bigger star than he was. Mm -hmm. Never quite did. Yeah. Also, I don't he's not Latino. What? But. (laughs) No, he's uh, Native American or mostly Native American. Yeah. Well, indigenous to the continent. I'll take it. Yeah. I, yeah clo- <laughs> all right. Ballpark. Ballpark. At least he's not Irish playing a, a <laughs> Puerto Rican guy. But yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's like, oh, this sounds like both an interesting movie and just an interesting guy to dig into some more. I want to find out more. Okay. You, you know who? Cool. I think we forget who would be an interesting guy to dig into more. Steve Martin. He's up at the top of the show a decade before mm-hmm. as one of the biggest movie stars on the planet, making crowd-pleasing, huge films, very, very wealthy guy. Maybe cut to 
now or 10 years earlier, he's really settled into like, yeah, I don't need all that shit. Here's what I, I like to play banjo with my band and make stuff with Martin Short, my friend. Yeah. You know, what's weird? Mm-hmm. what's weird is we also have him in Classic Corner in also a very wow. atypical role. Really? And this is an atypical ass movie. Well, this is Nova this King. is how big a star Steve Martin is that he has been bringing in so much money at the box office. But like the old stuff's not working. What do we do? What if we what if we cast him against type and maybe that'll bring the whole Steve audience the Steve Martin audience back and I remember watching this in the theater and just like holy shit this is not what I wanted this this Hollywood's version of a dark tale of a mm-hmm. dentist and that, you know what I really didn't want to see Steve Martin in a nude sex scene oh. and that's what you get mm. with Helena Bonham Carter um, mm. not what Lord was, <laughs> what was the last thing we saw Steve Martin in before this he I think Pink Panther no. I, I, in 2001, 2001, I can't remember because I think Bringing Down the I'm House will be out like next year and that'll be like yeah. another huge hit for him. Well, that'll start the whole like, cheaper, cheaper by the by dozen, the, dozen the, like, the sad Eddie of... Murphy period. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah. Well, but, if I mean, before this, Bowfinger and Out of Towners. Oh. Uh, yeah. So he's doing okay. pretty well. Okay, doing well. Yeah. 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 No, those movies did not do very well. They didn't do very well, but they were okay. But Bowfinger, it, I fucking love. Steve, but, Steve Martin, yeah. one, of the, one of the like, Oh man, one of the, just one of my favorite movie stars of my childhood, mm-hmm. and I am delighted every time I see him now. I think he's fantastic, and he just tweeted they just started se- filming season two of Only Murders Yay. in the Building, uh, Yay. my favorite shows of the year. Also out this week in two thousand one, twenty years oh, ago. Oh, we didn't really explain what Nova King. Oh, sorry. I mean, it's it's like a very black comedy noir mm-hmm. about a dentist who has an affair with a patient Helena Bonham Carter who steals all his drugs, mm-hmm. and then her brother comes after him. And then people end up murdered, and they think it's him. And it's not good. Yeah, I didn't. It didn't really work for me. It's not good. Um, but it was weird. I have to admit, I didn't finish it, but it was weird watching it back to back with what's in Classic Corner, which is, I think, the most unpleasant role I have ever seen Steve Martin in. Okay. Yeah, teasing. I'm teasing, it's, but it's not. It's not yeah. more more dental stuff and a little shop of horrors. No. You know, I mean, technically that is the worst guy because he punches his girlfriend and he says he poisoned puppies. They're shooting but... puppies with a BB gun. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll get to a classic order. But let's let's move on to, I want to use this next movie as like an experiment. I want to show it to different audiences at different ages mm. because it is very referential to things that we have been talking about on the show yes. from, say, 1998 through 2001. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's is that's why you incredibly referential, but it's also referential to a lot of other teen movie yes. tropes, and so I want to know if I showed this to a twenty year old who has not watched American Pie or She's All That a million times, are they going to understand another teen movie, or is it just going to make no fucking? Why is sense? Captain America in a whipped cream bikini? Well, you have Ooh. to go back to MTV's Varsity Blues, <laughs> <laughs> but. Ky- Kyler Lee, Jamie Presley, and Chris Evans in Not Another Teen Movie out this week. For your consideration, best original screenplay. I made that bet before I knew you. That sounds a lot like a line from She's All That. You complete me. Best supporting actor. I am the token black guy. I'm just supposed to say things like bling bling, and that is whack. And best original song. Pick a song with her name in it. Janie's got a gun. Janie's got a gun! Not another teen movie. 
a funny gag. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good, actually. Yeah, but it's like we've talked about all these movies. Ten things I hate about you. That's yeah. a reference to that. Uh, there, there's a whole bunch of cruel intentions in there too, and it's just like. And there's they're... Varsity Blues starring one of the people from Varsity Blues. Like that's yeah. the... <laughs> how a you... lot of Varsity Blues. I forgot how yeah. much. So and yet not another teen movie. Like I, I almost recommend it because like a lot of the jokes do not age well. A lot of those references don't age well. Ton of gay jokes and race jokes really do not age well. Mm -hmm. But there are Mm -hmm. so many jokes being thrown at you so fast that like you end up laughing. Even if you laugh at a third of them, you laugh. So, but how many are Uh, jokes and how many are reference? Just references that you? They're mostly jokes. I think that's the thing that differentiates this from like an epic movie. Ah. where they're just references okay. and in this one you can ignore the references there are still just a fucking ton of jokes very john hughes related yes yeah yeah too. they're also referencing movies from almost 20 years ago yeah and making a movie i don't know like i i got this i saw this and is this the first one of these to put the word movie in the movie if we've already done scary, scary movie. scary movie okay yeah. sorry yes Duh, scary movie. That started but, it all. Ooh. Yeah, so like I, I want like a fresh set of eyes on this. <laughs> that if you don't get that these are direct references, are they baked? Are they tropes that are baked into the culture enough now? What's well, it's, it's even if you don't know that specifically American Pie, is it still funny? It's it's why I because love... Chris Evans in a whipped cream bikini in his film debut, by the way, will always be funny because that's <laughs> fucking funny. Sarah, just it's almost like we need in a whipped cream um... bikini. It's like we need a sociologist with a specialty in memes to do a study on this. But that's 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 why it's why we would we'd make shows like The Simpsons Show and uh, and this show because like explaining references for things you're still watching 20 years later is kind of fun because even when i watch old cartoons i love it when like ooh, that's a reference to uh what kind of gas you were allowed to have during world war ii i'm like all right i I would not have gotten that on my own but not on a teen movie might be a candidate for something like that because it's this strata of where we were as a culture uh right here joke wise but still there are enough jokes in and around it that are not specific to like a specific reference that i ended up having a pretty good laugh. So even if it's just dumb stuff of, you know, someone is doing a dramatic entrance and they trip and fall down the stairs. It's fine. Yeah, uh, fine. Um, you know, I feel unqualified to judge this movie for anyone younger than me. Yeah, that's that's why I didn't bother to watch it. <laughs> um, uh, another, uh, and lastly, number one of the box office this week, Cameron Crowe film. A lot of the same <laughs> cast from, uh, what you call it, Untitled? Why am I losing? Almost Famous, that's what it's called. It was the special edition is called Untitled. Noah Taylor, Kurt Russell, Jason Lee, Cameron Diaz, Penelope Cruz, and Tom Cruise. Number one at the box office, Vanilla Sky. Lunch and present, Vanilla. Alright, it's inside. David Ames' perfect life. When will you call me? Sir! Is about to become. What do I have this pleasure? The pleasure of Sophia. When did you stop caring, David? A nightmare. You've been charged with murder. Julie is alive. Someone did this to me. Now, his search for the truth. How much did they pay you? He's going to take him farther than he ever imagined. Vanilla Sky. Vanilla Sky. Did anybody mm. get a chance to rewatch this film? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I did a rewatch. In mm-hmm. deference to Sarah having a very bad day, I will be <laughs> measured in my response. <laughs> well, let me just say why I didn't rewatch it. You know, I'm, I'm a budding film nerd at this point, and a few years, just a few years ago, we got 97? access. But like by the time it came here, it was like 98. 
Mm-hmm. And that's how we're introduced to Penelope Cruz in a movie called The Brayless Ojos, um, which is who directed that? That's uh, Amenabar. Amenabar, and like uh, that's where Penelope Cruz like kind of starts setting the world on fire. So I'd seen the original, and it just felt like a little fast to adapt a movie mm-hmm. we all have access to into another blockbuster movie. They even cast Penelope Cruz. This is in the same part, which yeah. seems like. What the fuck? You're supposed to differentiate yourself. I always found that very bizarre and um, didn't like the movie as the result of that because it does one or two things, big things, to separate it from the original, including a very interesting shot of Times Square. Mm-hmm. Like, the, I think mm-hmm. it's one of the only one of those. I think they said it costs like a million dollars a second to like have Times Square completely vacated. And wow, that can, was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I give you that one. We Not, were Sam and I when we watched this. We were like, wow. How did they do that? Like, yeah, money, oof. money. Yeah. Uh, uh, but Tom Cruise deciding to join up in this, you know, the follow up to Almost Famous, a huge commercial and critical darling, and Vanilla yeah. Sky followed suit. Yeah, well, and, and and Tom Cruise working with Cameron Crowe again after Jerry right. Maguire, right. which is like probably is his best match. movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it when it came out. You, we all know my feelings about Tom Cruise, but mm-hmm. I revisited it with some trepidation because even before we had teased this, I knew that it had not been well received by a lot of people who critically was it also panned or was it is it more like film no. film people just don't yeah like it? i film people in particular don't like it because right. i mean we have we hold cameron crow to a standard but mm. I, it, we're, I think we're talking like the 40s on mm-hmm. rotten tomatoes like mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. it's like there's good things but also eh. yeah so it's so heightened it is a micron away from camp almost honestly everybody is <laughs> doing the most every character is doing the most and is a archetype or an avatar mm. basically but then yeah when you get to the end of the movie that makes sense for mm-hmm. the movie that they're mm-hmm. all heightened that they're all you know not quite real feeling in the world. And I do think the movie does a very good job of setting up this world that feels a little off all the time because people are having very weird reactions. The way that it's cut feels dreamlike in a lot of ways. Mm. Just move Mm -hmm. on to a next scene without what feels like a full resolution sometimes. And so all of that, I still feel like resonated with me. It brings up a lot of philosophical questions in a Mm -hmm. way that the movie and Cameron Crowe definitely think that they're deeper than they actually are. (laughs) Which might be my number one complaint. I 100% agree with you on that. Uh, just okay. Well, the basic plot: uh, Tom Cruise is a guy on top of the world. He's got a super fancy apartment. He's got a ton of money. He's got cool cars, and he's got Cameron Crow or Cameron Crow. Cameron Diaz is his fuck buddy. That must have been confusing on set. Two um, Cruises, two Camerons. Yeah. Oh my god. You know, and she's like gorgeous, and everything, and everything is fucking great. And then he meets Penelope Cruz, who's she's a. She's a pixie dream girl. She's not manic, though. I no, appreciate no. that. But kind she's the opposite, honestly. Yeah, but she's, yeah. you know, she, she's, like, freaking awesome. And he's like, mm-hmm. oh, I might be in love for the first time. And then a terrible thing happens where his face gets fucked up. And now he must confront living in the most horrible world imaginable where Tom Cruise doesn't look like Tom Cruise anymore. <laughs> but still is rich and has an amazing apartment and a great job. Mm-hmm. Was this the era where he publicly wore the braces as the nah. actual Tom Cruise? Er, no. I think yeah, it might have been. Yeah, I think you might be right. Yeah, I think you were right. But they were like see-through braces. So it's like, true. Mm. But yeah, and then 
then things start getting weird because then, he, oh, they have a magic surgery that turns him back into Tom Cruise and he and Penelope Cruz are having a great time, but sometimes it, she looks like Emma Diaz. Oh no. And now he's accused of murder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and also Kurt Russell is there as his therapist while he's in prison after being yeah. accused of murder. Right. And coaching him through stuff. And yeah, the movie that is, I 100% agree with the criticism about this movie's own perceived deepness by itself. That also, to me, does not bother me because I'm not a, I, weirdly, because my, one of my favorite films of all time is Jerry Maguire, and I also say anything is real high up there for me as well. Mm. I don't really enjoy Cameron Crowe in general. Like, mm. he's had more, the two ones that he, that are hits for me that I love, I love, and the rest of it, I could. Well, for for fast times, Jettison. in Elizabeth Town, <laughs> pass and pass, and I'm I. We talked about this with Almost Famous. I don't get the hype on Almost Famous. That's a pass. Oh, that you're too. just incorrect. Mm-hmm. I know. I. It's, it's wonderful. Fun. So I, yeah, I don't. It, it's a hundred percent thinks it's too deep. I do like though. I think it's a great like film to kind of let yourself have. It's a fun dinner party movie because it kind of <laughs> brings up these questions about immortality and the sweet without the sour and you know, what is the meaning of life and it, is your life empty? Is it full? What is happiness to you? All these questions. You know, I think they are all brought up in a way that is very accessible for a lot of people. You don't have to sit down and watch Waking Life. You can just watch Sky <laughs> to contemplate some of the great questions of the universe and look at pretty, pretty people while you're doing it. Also, by the way, everyone's in this. Johnny mm-hmm. Galecki is in this. Yeah. Tilda yep. Swinton, Alicia Witt, Peter Pettigrew. <laughs> yep. Michael Shannon. Conan Michael O'Brien. Michael Shannon. Con- yeah. Conan's in this. Yeah, Conan. Uh, yeah. Uh, a dog. A cute dog. <laughs> Most importantly. Yeah, it's it, it annoys me so much because like the, the deck is so stacked for me to go, fuck you, I don't fucking care. Cause like this guy's life is basically perfect. And then he has this terrible accident that just fucks up his face and is like, Well, you're depressed, obviously, because you've been through a traumatic incident. So what you need is therapy, but oh no, your face is fucked up, does not make all your money and your cool apartment and your friends go away. Although he doesn't seem to have a lot of friends, like Jason Lee's supposed to be his best friend. Mm -hmm. And Jason Lee, like right after his accident, is a giant dick to him. And it's just like, you used to be fun. It's like, get this guy in therapy. There is... So he can just reevaluate what his priorities are. There, there's no need for like the rest of the movie to happen. Well, to be fair, for Jason Lee at the beginning in the party scene, there is a reference to Tom Cruise paying him to write his novel. So there does seem to be a transactional element to their relationship mm-hmm. that maybe makes it less genuine. Yeah. Also, they do make a point to say that, he, yeah, he's horrifically scarred, but he also is su- suffering from debilitating headaches, too, as a result. Right. And then those don't come up again. Like I was expecting, like it would make more sense if yes, debilitating headaches is if that was the focus, they Mm -hmm. mention it once. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of the scene, they're still talking about like, I want you to fix my jaw. I want my skin droopy. I don't like it. Mm. It's like, uh, well, maybe you should wear this mask. You'll feel better. (laughs) Yeah. That was a weird part. That's a weird part of it. I mean, if you're going to just have one half of your face messed up, you got to go Phantom of the Opera with it. Go Phantom, 100%. Drop a chandelier on someone. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like, no, the frustration of having like a long-term disability or medical problem that that, that no one can fix. Like, okay, that is a real struggle. Mm -hmm. Why is it never brought up again? I think That should be his problem. 
I think it is kind of all rolled into the massive life change that he took. I wish too they addressed also this guy is probably should would be should be debilitated by horrible PTSD. I mean, he's a woman that he had been with tried to do a murder suicide basically with him in the mm -hmm. car and he's the only one that survived. So, you yeah. know, there's a lot more that they could have done to make him more sympathetic in that way but yeah. also on the other hand that's kind of the point right like he was a shallow playboy guy from the very beginning and it does sort of make sense that that would be his biggest concern and a real problem mm -hmm. for him yeah but what what lesson am i supposed to be getting out of this what's the message for me a not shallow person the thing i would be more upset about is his, his right arm gets all fucked up yeah. Like, and I'm watching later to make sure, is he a right-handed or left? Oh, he's right-handed. So your dominant hand mm -hmm. isn't working right. Like that would be a bigger issue for me than my face. Mm -hmm. but, yeah, but that's I'm, me. But like, am I, I supposed to learn from this shallow guy? He doesn't become not shallow. So <sighs> I don't, I don't know. I, would, I don't know. I feel like the, the face disfiguration, him being devastated most about that seemingly than anything else doesn't necessarily make him i mean he's a shallow guy but i don't think yeah. that's what makes him a shallow guy i mean that's mm. pretty hurt that's pretty devastating yeah i i know that doesn't mess you up but it would just be it would be third or fourth on the list for me in that situation but yeah no i feel like it's just abre los ojos with a bunch of cameron crow music references grafted on top of it and look being a cameron crow movie there's two things i'm looking for great soundtrack a lot of good deep cuts, REM, Radiohead. Oh, so good. Is there a Billy Wilder reference? Of course there is. Of course there is, which are like, he's watching Sabrina and that's about a makeover, but it's also about a love triangle. So what are we saying with this? Yeah, I don't know. It's one thing that confuses me is I don't know how much we want to spoil. Spoil the whole um, thing. I don't remember. Like, I just, <laughs> he's living in a Bob Dylan album cover. Yeah. yeah. Well, I actually specifically wanted to bring up the cover of Free Wheel and Bob Dylan because mm -hmm. like, all right, it turns out at a point in the movie, and it is kind of fun to go back and see at what, mm -hmm. could I figure out what point it was where it start, it stops being reality mm -hmm. and it starts being like he's in the Matrix, but it's just like, he reenacts this cover with this girl because like, uh, that's like part of his conscience and it always, it moved him so much. He always wanted to be, but it's like, but we're seeing it shot like the cover of Free Wheel and Bob Dylan. But he's seeing him and a girl walk down the street from his point of view. Right. <laughs> he can't so see the album cover. He can't see the album cover. He's standing in. All right. In this Matrix world, do you watch things third person? Okay. No, it's I, it's it's that it's his subconscious put that together. He saw that album cover and loved the way that relationship looked. And so his subconscious put him in that place where he mm -hmm. feels like the couple would feel. Hmm. I don't know. I bought it. I don't know. I, I don't know, because I sometimes I do have third person dreams where I'm not it's not me looking. It's a camera looking kind of like there's a third person. Mm -hmm. So maybe he's like that. I don't I don't know. Going back and watching it. It's fucking long. long. Again, two hours and 15 minutes. What yeah. is with that length? It's God true. damn it. And Abre Los Ojos is like 20 minutes shorter. And I feel like that extra 20 minutes is just glamour shots of Tom Cruise and like music references. That was that was yeah. my recollection of it. it's semi shot for shot in some cases and then the stuff cameron crow adds is just like literally added to 20 minutes of runtime uh, yeah. it wasn't distinct enough nah. but i i don't know i don't want to come down on the movie too hard because there's a certain sect of the population that will never watch a brayla sohos because reading subtitles mm -hmm. and put penelope True. cruises in it uh, yeah and she's a lot of fun actually i did have one question for sarah because i know you are not on the cameron diaz train yeah 
I thought she's great in this. Oh, How did you feel? Her, yeah. Oh. Oh, she's very good at her job, especially because her job is to be very unlikable. So, <laughs> uh-huh. okay. Tens, tens, tens across the board. But you love <laughs> night and day. Is that the movie they're in together? No, I did oh, not. Oh, yeah. That. Is, that the, is, is that the right? Did I say the right title? I don't you remember. You did, 100%. Yeah. But yeah. Why is it no, called that? I've never been a big fan of hers, and she's very good in this. She's very good in a lot of things. As no, if anybody else could have been in the mask. Head. Vanilla Sky, ladies and gentlemen, moving into television in 2001. Oh, boy, it's going to get Christmassy. But first, Rob Frisbee. And Brennan Swain win the first season of The Amazing Race. Uh, two lawyers, two friends, they win a million dollars in The Amazing Race. Yeah. Didn't see it. Um, Amazing Race is a great reality television. I want to say it gets higher ratings than Survivor nowadays. Like it seems, or it seems like more people I know are watching Amazing Race than Survivor. I, even though I think they're both still on. King of the Hill airs <laughs> two episodes this week. One of which is Lupe's Revenge, which is a really fun episode because Peggy takes. As a substitute teacher, takes her Spanish class to Mexico, and she accidentally brings back an extra child, and then is charged with <laughs> kidnapping, and <laughs> but can't admit it's because she's not fluent in Spanish is why this happens. So she, it looks like she's going to go to jail forever until Hank has the idea to like have her testify in the Spanish language. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> How the Grinch Stole Christmas airs on the WB, which I. I'm only saying that because that that would mean at this point I wouldn't be able to see it. And this is a Christmas classic. But one of the first Christmas specials to air on multiple channels multiple times a year was The Grinch because of its somehow being rolled up in the ownership of Warner Brothers. Um, Mm. And if if you buy the DVD, I know, physical media, to this day, you can see the 45-minute special TNT produced on The Grinch hosted by and starring Phil Hartman. It's awesome. Mm. Um, But The Grinch is about to be everywhere. And then I mentioned it earlier on ABC, a Charlie Brown Christmas uh, airs for its, I don't want to do the math, um, let's say 35th consecutive time. No, 45th, 35th, 35th, 36th consecutive time. And that it follows Winnie the Pooh in Christmas too. The Winnie the Pooh Christmas special, which looks good. It's why it sucks. It's sort of crammed into a very Pooh year. Still looks very good. Good above board for television animation. I love Winnie the Pooh and those characters, and um, I'd love to see that again. But t- yeah, ten years later, that gets to air. A very special episode of The Simpsons airs this week. She of Little Faith, except that this episode <laughs> is a uh, kind of a retread of things that have happened before. Lisa episodes or Lisa focus episodes are typically the best. This is mm-hmm. just trying very hard to be as good as those previous Lisa focused episodes. Previously, Lisa had met Paul and Linda McCartney. But they had to agree behind the scenes to make Lisa a permanent vegetarian. So Paul and Linda said, cool, we'd like to be a part of that. Such is the case with Richard Gere appearing again in this episode. If Lisa were to utter the words free Tibet while becoming a Buddhist, he agreed to appearing on The Simpsons, which at this point, 2001, is a big movie star. But it just, it feels, the vegetarian episode of The Simpsons is awesome. And if you come away with that, like eating meat, is something I might want to try. Cool. This is an advertisement for Buddhism because Lisa's literally walking around shopping for religion. (laughs) Well, I'm looking for a new faith, one that isn't so materialistic. Well, you've come to the right place. Buddhism teaches that suffering is caused by desire. (gasps) Richard Gere? Oh, the world's most famous Buddhist. (laughs) What about the Dalai Lama? Oh, you know, the 14th reincarnation of the Buddha of Alakoteshvara. Who's Buddha? It's a good thing Buddhism teaches freedom from desire, because I've got the desire to kick your ass. 
<laughs> not a terrible appearance, but also like not one of my favorite episodes. Um, not even um, video games. Video games of two thousand one. Holy shit! I hope I'm not going to have the cavalcade of stuff like we had last week. What with your Smash and your Pikmin's and your Halos and all that nonsense. Usually, people don't release games this late in December. Christmas shopping is almost over. I hope you've got your Christmas shopping together. I know I don't because this week we have not a lot of big stuff. Flintstones: Big Trouble in Bedrock is out mm. for Game Boy. Mortal Kombat advances out for Game Boy, and Shadow Hearts is out for PS2. I don't know if that's in Japan or America. And that is kind of mm. it. Next week we will have a, a fun game that I played recently that is released for some reason right before Christmas. But uh, yeah, we'll talk more about that on uh, Patreon.com slash LazerTime with the Video Game Apocalypse Boys as soon as we can. You want to close out with Vanilla Sky by Paul McCartney? I mean, Sounds good. why not? Yeah. Like, if you're going to get someone to record a song for your movie... Did he recorded this for the movie. Yeah. Wow, I didn't oh, know Paul wow. actually did that. Yeah, yeah this is an original is... song for the movie. That yeah. soundtrack is pretty stellar. I don't doubt yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I just didn't know, I didn't know you get Sir Paul to do that kind of thing unless you were um, the video game Destiny. Look that up. It's <laughs> hilarious. Uh, <laughs> we'll close that with Vanilla Sky by Paul McCartney, but stay right there. We got one decade left to cover, and it's a dude. A special menu for your delight, oh my. Tonight you fly. So high up in the vanilla sky Your life is fine, it's sweet and sour, unbearable, great You gotta love every hour, you must appreciate Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner, where we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of December 10th through 16th, we have three Fantasias. They actually, that word fits these, and it's weird. We have fantasy musicals, fantasies without musicals, about the afterlife, about love and success and stuff. So uh, I'm going to go most recent to oldest this time, so I can just get out of the way. What is the movie where I think Steve Martin plays the most despicable character I've ever seen him play that does not involve dental surgery? That is the movie turning 40 years old this week, 1981's Pennies from Heaven, the musical starring uh, him, Bernadette Peters, Christopher Walken, Jessica Harper, directed by Herbert Ross. It was uh, it's a big old failure, and it was pretty well received by critics, though, and I think it's worth watching. But I was not warned. Like, I knew it was a musical starring Steve Martin and Bernadette Peters, and I thought it would be a movie about, like, oh, it's during the Depression, and Steve Martin's just a guy trying to make it with a song in his heart. And it turns out he's actually a real piece of shit character. And it's so strange to have, you know, a movie that's the format of, like, a standard musical, kind of, about, like, just hard scrabble people just trying to make their dreams come true, but they're, like, all bad people. <laughs> he is just selfish and mean-spirited and it's i was not prepared for it but the musical numbers are fantastic if you do anything having to do with this movie at all please look up christopher walken's one number he strip tap dances it's so great <laughs> so he shows up for one number and just like you just want the movie to be about him the rest of the time though but Man, I mean, Seymour he learned to tap dance, and he does a great job. A lot of the, the numbers are, you know, they're very fantastical. 
they sort of happen in his head, kind of, like Chicago, kind of, and they're really good. It, but it's a very strange movie, how negative most of the rest of it is. And then, very similarly, also from MGM and 10 years almost to the day, in 1971, turning 50 years old, is The Boyfriend, directed by Ken Russell, starring Twiggy, Christopher Gable, and all six foot seven, a Tommy Toon. God damn, Tommy Toon. It is such a strange movie that I really love. It's about like a shitty kind of rundown theater in England, also about 1930, 32, somewhere in there. And then like a big Hollywood producer shows up in the basically empty audience and everyone on stage tries to get his attention, tries to outdo everybody else. Sometimes the numbers become fantasy numbers. Sometimes they're the literal numbers. And it's so strange because it's Ken Russell, who I talked about the devils earlier this year that he also made probably the most controversial movie of all time, like top five top, most controversial movies of all time with like naked sexed up nuns assaulting statues of Jesus. And this is just charming and fun and light, but like odd, you know, because Ken Russell also did Tommy. So, you know, it's going to be kind of weird, but it just, it ends up being like very, you feel transported. Like so much of the stage show is very garish in a really specific way. But it's also, it's a lot of fun. And then when the fantasy numbers go nuts, they really go nuts. And then more fantasy. <sighs> 1946, so turning 75 years old this week, is directed by Michael Powell and Emmerich Pressburger, A Matter of Life and Death, starring David Niven and Kim Hunter, which is also known as Stairway to Heaven. But, you know, no, no Led Zeppelin. But A Matter of Life and Death starts where Captain America, the first Avenger, ends with a guy in a plane in World War II crashing and him talking to a girl over the radio and he crashes and seemingly dies and then he's not dead he just like shows up on a beach and there's the girl and they're like rad and then it turns out oh no he was supposed to die and now they want him up in heaven and he ends up going to heaven and there's like a trial and it's about him but also about like British imperialism it's a very odd movie but it's extra odd and that like you think oh part of the movie takes place in heaven part of it takes place on earth and some of it's in black and white and some of it's in color it's not the way around you think real world is in color and heaven is in black and white and it's one of these movies i'd never heard of i end up seeing it on you know turner classic movies at like one in the morning and then i'm like i must find out more it is so creative and odd and fun and weird and who was it? I just saw... Oh, Daniel Radcliffe. I just saw an interview with Daniel Radcliffe, and he mentioned it as one of his favorite movies of all time. And I was like, I feel so cheesy, but 100 points to Gryffindor. Holy shit, Radcliffe. A Matter of Life and Death from 1946 is one of your favorite movies. You are a weird dude, and I love it. So, The Boyfriend and Pennies from Heaven, it looks like you can rent. Matter of Life and Death, uh, you can see someone put it on YouTube uh, for free. So, you can watch it. It's got gorgeous cinematography. It's that super super lush technicolor that we just don't do anymore and yeah i mean it's romantic it's fun it's truly something you, you've not seen before so that's my biggest recommendation matter of life and death but also yeah pennies from heaven and the boyfriend especially if you like weird musicals check them out man that's it for this week stay classic hey john so what we smoke me we're just having fun, we don't care who sees, so what we go out, that's how it's supposed to be, living young and wild and free. 
Coming back in with uh, Young, Wild, and Free by Snoop Dogg and Wiz Khalifa featuring Bruno Mars. Snoop Dogg song in 2011. Dude has yes. been doing it for three decades now. It, yep. Well, it's off a soundtrack. I know. But he's not. A, but it's not a featuring Snoop Dogg. It's just a I Snoop know. Dogg song. I, yeah. I sometimes wonder so if he's still hard. making stuff. <laughs> it is so hard to look him up on the charts because if you just, you know, find Snoop, it's only featuring, 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 featuring. Yep. He's everywhere. Uh, new releases also include Back to Love by uh, Anthony Hamilton. Mac and Devin Go to High School by Snoop Dogg and Wiz Khalifa. Is that the soundtrack? That's the soundtrack. What yeah. a great oh. name for an album from both of them, though. And We Found Love by Rihanna featuring Calvin Harris is still number one. Let's jump right into the films, including Carnage, the movie with Jodie Foster, Kate Winslet, Christoph Waltz, and John C. Riley. If you're making a list of who will still talk to Roman Polanski, oh. those four oh, will. No. I mean, Jodie Foster yeah. has shown significantly, I, I, don't, I don't cancel anyone. Taste. I don't cancel anyone yeah. in my life. Yeah, no, it's it's based on a play. It's directed by Roman Polanski, and it's about these two couples whose little kids get into a fight, like a physical fight, and then they try to work it out amongst themselves, but they're all, like, upper-class twits, and mm. things get real personal, and they start fighting, and god damn, it makes me so mad Polanski's such a good filmmaker, because I found this really interesting. I, I liked it. All the performances are really good, and I can see it doing better as a stage play, because it just does feel like a field play, but... Yeah, I, I it's been on my list for a while, and I'm gonna be crossing it off for the Polanski reason. I Dude, always did steal kind of, it, <laughs> just steal it so he doesn't yeah. get any money. I always kind of imagined it as um, closer, but now they're parents. Yeah, <laughs> kinda, kinda. Yeah, just a foursome yeah. of upper middle class twits talking about shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Putting up a front, and then the fronts slowly fall apart. Yeah, so that's exactly it. I love Closer, so. I do, too. Moving on. Moving on to a movie. Also, <laughs> also very troublesome. <laughs> um, also reminds me of Closer. Why? Because our, our Chipmunks <laughs> trilogy is complete. Yes. There's Jason Lee again, though. Jason Lee again. Anyone Hi. else we got? Alan, Alan Tudyk, Amy Poehler, and if, I forgot who, who they got to. They got individual voice actors to become unrecognizable in all the Chipmunks characters. Alan Tudyk, Amy Poehler, Anna Ferris, Christina Applegate, Jesse McCarthy, Gray Goobler, sure. Oh, Matthew Gray Goobler, and Justin Long. They're all voices. Jenny Slate, David Cross, and Jason Lee. And Alvin and the Chipmunks, Chipwrecked. The trilogy is complete, but the movies would not stop. I love mm -hmm. talking about the Chipmunks just because they're an interesting phenomenon. I always say they are not a corporate-owned property. They're still a family business. They are up for sale right now. Oh. If you would like to oh. buy them, oh. and how, I, how much is that gonna cost? Should we pool our money? I, start a GoFundMe. Yes, do you think do we, could, we could get a, an extra billion out of that? Uh, this this movie let is. Me, <laughs> let me go to the Coin Star and get back to you. <laughs> okay. You think it's a shitty property? These movies made a ton of money, yeah, and I know. and and the funniest thing about it that I have to recommend: I have never seen an actor work so hard to get taken off a movie. Because David Cross in the promotional tour for this, if you were, he would go on talk shows. He's filming. Oh, what was that British show? The increasingly poor decisions of Todd Margaret. Oh yeah, yeah. He's, he's filming a TV show that he's writing and starring in, and like casting his friends and producing in London. He's like, we need you back on the set of Chipwrecked, and he's like, they put me in a Pelican costume. Like, can we put another actor in the Pelican costume so I don't have to shut produ down production on my TV show for your terrible reshoots? And they're like, no, you need to be here. And you see me. I've never seen an actor do this. Like 
They paid me so much money to stand there in a costume and say nothing. Say nothing. I will never do another one of these films. Fuck these movies. I've never seen an actor do that. But David Cross went on a whirlwind like, fuck this chipmunk movie shit. I'm never doing this again. This is his third one, right? It's his third chipmunks movie. But I think he had a, he had a passion sorry, project. I'm sorry. I'm cynical about all of that. Why? All of his attitude about it. Well, if you, if you have a passion Bro, project, you're working it. on the side and they're making you stop. And if you can imagine halting an entire production, you'd get mad about it. That show was pretty okay, okay. Todd Margaret. I don't know. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll stand Uh, up for that more than Alan. Alvin and the Chipmunks chipwrecked. Nobody nobody names movies better than this series. This is following up Mm, the Squeakquel, Chipwrecked, and then Road Chip. Oh, my God. Yeah. uh, (laughs) This was was tough. Really, I just had to fall back on, like, I'm unqualified. I feel unqualified because I haven't watched all of them. The only one I know who watched them. How would you know? But then, yeah, people who like these movies said, they didn't like this. This was the weakest of the three. The only so one far. I know who watched like, all okay. these was Brett because he'd go back home for Christmas and watch them with his young niece. Oh, right. Because I, I remember he walked back. I think it was the second one. And he walked back to the office and like, you know, all of our magazines are in this movie. And like, what? And we went over and like, there's a PC gamer in, <laughs> in the chipmunk movie. And like, someone's like, oh, yeah, they asked permission and they, you know, paid some money and then it's in the movie. And like, this is the first time we. How often do people ask for our magazines to be in a movie? Are we asking other people to put our magazines in a movie? this whole weird conversation in our job. Thanks to Alvin and the Chipmunks once again. Why am I talking about this? Look, people I like got paid money. Mm-hmm. I find it very funny to put Jenny Slate as a human character in a Chipmunks movie because her voice fits <laughs> right in. There's, agree, there, agree. There's a Marcel the Shell movie greenlit, they, apparently. Yeah, they should have started the Marcel the Shell franchise here. Yeah, where's, off from where's, there. where's the crossover? Mm-hmm. Where's yeah. the cinematic universe? Come on. And uh, But uh, a movie, I think, got yeah, multiple nominations. I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about this. Fave yes, movies yes, of the decade. Yes. Um, yeah, let's talk about this tiny movie that shot in like a month. Really? Um, yep. Elizabeth Racer? Am I saying that right? Uh, Patrick you Wilson. always have trouble with her. Reeser? I think it's Reeser. Reeser? Reeser. But you don't yeah. know. Patton Oswalt. Charlie's Throne, we got young adults. Are you writing in there? I'm the author. I'm just signing it. The series is done. Ever book man. Well, come on. People here seem so happy with so little. Everyone wishes that they could be like you. Living in the big city, famous and beautiful and all that. Buddy Slade and I are meant to be together, and I'm here to get him back. He's married with a kid on the way. No, kid's here. I'm cool with it. I mean, I've got baggage, too. Young adult, rated R. In theaters December 16th. I haven't seen the new Ghostbusters movie, uh-huh. but I know people have been giving Jason Reitman an awful lot of shit. Why? He's great. Mm. Just saying like, oh, this fucking fail son is just gets a job because of who his dad is. It's like, um, are what? you forgetting that he has made wonderful movies and this is one yeah. of them? Yeah, he makes yes. but Diablo Cody is, is typically the secret spice to his more famous movies. But yeah, thank you for not smoking is great. Uh, Up in yeah. the air is great. Juno is great. Oh my God. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, and yeah, so, this is him reteaming with yeah. Diablo Cody, who wrote Juno. And I think this is the superior film. Thank you very much. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, this movie is fantastic. And I, I, I totally had forgotten about it. And I can't stop bringing it up. We had nominations for what we thought our favorite movies of the decade were. And did both of you bring this in or what, did Kevin bring this in? No, I, I on my list. But mm-hmm. I can't remember who said it first because i think right it's still something i like i was totally blown away by it wasn't something i was even thinking of and i saw this twice and remarked like 
I've never seen a movie like this. Like, because it's mostly Charlize Theron p- playing kind of a piece of shit dude. Yeah. Well, that, that's one thing we could talk about. So I feel like there are actually a lot of movies like this, that, but they don't nail it like this okay, one yeah. does. There's a lot of right. movies about people having like quarter life crises or like people who won't grow up because they have Peter Pan syndrome. Bring it all around. <laughs> but we don't see a lot of movies about women who yeah. are failures or just yeah. not failures, but who've given up. Yeah, they well, just they, they have they're arrest they have arrested development and they're their own worst enemy and they're just female fuck ups. Yeah, I think that even when we do see that, because there's that aspect of Charlize Theron's character where she is kind of failed at what she's set out to do and she's her life has not become what she thought it was going to be the other aspect to her character is that she's an asshole like (laughs) she may even be a sociopath yeah like he she is so so because a lot of times we see one or the other we generally see the life fuck up people more but they tend to be like "Eh, at least they're funny or they're trying to be nice or get their life on track or they're kind of a badass in some way Hmm. but she that is not this portrayal at all this is so (laughs) sad and it's such a good representation of that personality type and how they are not aware of their own sadness on a conscious level Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then on top of that she Charlize and Jason and Diablo Cody all did such a good job of making this character showing the subconscious way she is aware of how sad she is but she's not conscious of it but it's coming out in other ways Mm -hmm. it's so perfect it's just such a fantastic fantastic character study Damn it all. I love it so much. Yeah. And I've it, gotten to the other characters who are also perfect. Yeah. It's it's such a complete character that it's like, I feel like I've met this person, but I never see them yes. around because I avoid them because they're terrible. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. she really is the mean girl who's never grown up. Yeah. That's she. It's just she's a high school junior forever, but she's just, I don't know, is meaner about it. <laughs> but I mean, they just said the basic plot there and that she is. From this small town, she's moved to the big city of Minneapolis. Ooh, what a success. Oh, she where she's ghostwriting young adult novels that are failing. And she finds out that her high school boyfriend got married and had a baby. And she's decided she's going to take him back now. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 like if uh, it's like if, if I started in a, as the woman part in a Hallmark movie. wow that is a really good point where it's like if you just erase the wife and you do have a hallmark movie Mm -hmm. where she's the high-powered woman who goes back to the simple small town and oh there's a single dad and everything works oh it just never worked out for us maybe it can work out again if only we can save the christmas tree farm really she goes but it's funny that's the other thing Mm -hmm. but yeah she goes back to town where patrick wilson is her ex-boyfriend and she keeps trying to i mean she lies constantly trying to ingratiate herself thinking that you know the magic will just appear not realizing like he has a newborn and a wife Mm -hmm. who's really cool and Mm -hmm. he ends up spending time with pat oswalt who is like the geeky kid in school who got horribly gay bashed Mm -hmm. and so he's also sort of fixated on high school but in a different way like in a realistic way like he has to use a crutch now he got horribly beaten and she is like you can't get over high school either you know 
he's like, because I live it day to day. You don't have to. What the fuck? <laughs> it's it's one of my favorite performances from him. He's so, yeah. so good. Yeah. He's really good. Everyone should have been nominated, honestly, for this. Yeah, I was Patrick shocked that they Wilson, weren't. Nobody was nominated in the acting category for like anything. It's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just dumb. Patrick Wilson does such a good job, too, of perfectly portraying especially with his face acting, she comes back into town and there's obviously like, he's obviously still, he's kind of in awe of her a little bit because she's like this fancy person who for the whole town is agreed has gone off and has made it big in the big city. And so she comes back and she's like beautiful. And it's this like her little black dress on and everything. So when he looks at her, he's looking at her like, wow, she's so fancy and everything. And she interprets that as he is very into me and I have a chance here. And it's so interesting and heartbreaking to watch that play out between those two characters who do can't figure out what the other one's doing really or doesn't know what the other one's doing and then elizabeth reeser plays his wife who she does such a great job too of playing the wife of this is my husband like yeah she's not like she's she's not not like an evil stepmom or like get away from my man she's like i trust him to do the right thing because we're married and i love him but i'm I, I'm kind of looking. I'm kind of watching you a little bit. Yeah. And her whole an is, oh, honey, I feel so sorry for you, mm-hmm. which is the perfect way to play that every time. Um, and so, yeah. It's just... <laughs> well, yeah, because by the time you get to the end, you realize, well, it's because Charlie's actually envies her. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. As much as she talks about, oh, this shitty small town and the people in it, they all suck. So, y- you want to be her right now. You're you are pathetically trying to take her life away from her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> including your baby <laughs> yeah what what does she think is gonna happen no she hasn't thought it out she just thinks it'll just happen somehow she doesn't understand consequences and right. yeah it just becomes there's so much interesting stuff about like moving away from a small town and how you feel about that town and how you feel about yourself your nostalgia for your own past you know all oh, the glory days back when i was in high school mm-hmm. like there's just so much interesting stuff and it's such an just really well-drawn character absolutely it's not it, it it could be very shallow and surface level of yeah she's just a mean girl it's like no we come to understand how she got to be this way and we see kind of how her parents are and how things used to be and you're like mm, yeah well but her parents really aren't portrayed as people who brought up this monster like i think it's more interest i what i took from when she her interactions with her parents is that they're also kind of scared of her they're mm. also kind of this person oh god like yeah they also don't know how her. to so they don't know how to deal with her so they exactly. just kind of let her have her way to not exactly. start trouble yep. but also i got the feeling that the mom cares about appearances that's sort of where she gets it from that she has yeah. like her daughter's wedding photo from the the wedding where after that they got divorced like why do you keep up the wedding photo oh because that's mm-hmm. when we look so nice all happy. Like, <laughs> yeah exactly she's doing the same thing her daughter is doing of like well that was the better time let's just pretend that's real Oh my god, it's so good. It's so good. There's so much to unpack. It's fantastic. One of the best uses of combination Taco Bell KFC Pizza Hut ever <laughs> put to cinema. Yeah. And I was I mean, going back to reevaluate it, I was sort of like, am I gonna get anything out of it the second time? Or is this gonna be the kind of movie where it's like if there's a lesson to be learned, I've gotten it already. And I'm like, 
Nah, shit, that got better the second time. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, I watched it after the after we uh, again. It was at kind of out of nowhere for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you guys still remember this so fondly. And I, I, I love part of being the champion of this movie uh, yeah. and bringing it back in the eyes of people because I don't know of another film with a character like this. Period. Exactly. It's so unique. Mm-hmm. It, it's so unique. And even down to her job of being mm-hmm. a ghostwriter for a young adult novelist, like <laughs> sort of like the Babysitter's Club or something very, I think, akin to that, is such a interesting job you don't see very often. I'm always happy to see that. Like, she, oh, great, she's not... <laughs> a magazine writer or working in marketing. Awesome. And it also shows that she's like smart. I mean, you can't really do that job without having some level of smarts. So, well, she's stealing all of her dialogue from teenagers. She hears at the KFC pizza hut taco. Well, that's true. I guess. (laughs) It's very, very odd. She has has the figure she does giving her where she stakes up. Yeah. But that also must be really frustrating as a writer because there's the scene where she goes to sign books at the bookstore and they're all on the remainder table, but Mm -hmm. her, her name isn't on the books. They're like way on the little, on like the copyright page right. is where her name actually is. That would be really frustrating. Uh, that was a heartbreaking fact for me to learn when I was a, a young reader that those huge series that I used to read, and I don't want to disparage anyone, but I'm thinking like probably Babysitter's Club and Sweet Valley. Boxcar Children. Yeah, probably wasn't <laughs> Anne M. Martin writing every single Babysitter's Club book. And when my nope. mom kind of lifted the veil to the, for me on that, it's kind of heartbreaking to learn. That's why everybody is still puts their faith in R.L. Stein. I'll write anything for money, R.L. Stein. <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely my highest recommend of the week. Yeah, I, I don't this... see how it can't be. Yeah. Although when it comes to best of the, the 2010s, that episode, mm-hmm. can I do a late substitution? Sure. I champion Skyfall because I think it's a great direction for action movies to keep going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to swap it out for Bridesmaids now. Did we not bring having, Bridesmaids? I'll allow it. Having it, I don't know if it came up. I don't think it made the final 10, but mm. having rewatched Bridesmaids, another movie about a female fuck up that's incredibly relatable. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. There was, I like, I only remembered the funny parts. And then when we went back and watched, rewatched it for the show and realizing like, oh no, there's so much about like friendship and insecurity and class oh warfare. Yes. There's so much more going on in there. So, yeah. I think Bridesmaids might have been on my list. So, welcome. I it was on one of your lists because I got to look at okay. all your lists behind the scenes. All right. Well, then I'll swap that out for Her, which is the other movie I wanted to bring up. And I never did. Her. A movie that will turn out to be way too ahead of its time for us to handle. Her? Her. Her. Egg? Egg? <laughs> and that, that is shocking considering the next movie we have to talk about is also worthy of... That's why I, I feel bad, Sarah, that like you had a rough day and I don't mm-hmm. want to just go full on Knives Out uh, disagreeing about Vanilla Sky and Hook and I knew that was coming. And then when I saw, oh wait, we have two movies that we are super going to agree on right now as Girl, two of rough. the best of the year. We're yeah. ending on an upswing, y'all. I, I would say best... This one is a best of a six movie series. Amen. Ooh. And that's not faint praise. It really isn't. A mo- like a billion dollar franchise. Of course, you'll recognize it when I say the word Josh Halloway mm. or uh, Tom Wilkinson. Leah Sadu, Anil Kapoor, uh, Jesus Christ, Samoli Edelman, Vladimir Meskov, Michael, Jesus Christ, there's so many vowels. There's no vowels in this word. Nykvist. Uh, Nykvist. Paula, pa- Paula Patton. There we go. Paula Simon- Poundstone. Paula Poundstone. <laughs> <laughs> As the Joker in Mission Impossible. Uh, Simon Pegg, Jeremy Renner, uh, and Tom Cruise. Mission Impossible. Ghost Protocol. Ghost Pro! The four of us are all that remains on the IMF. 
We still have a chance to clean this up. So where are we going? So when you jump, I catch you. Okay. I just jump. And I catch you. <laughs> of course. How good is your backup? The best. I've killed the best. I've got her. Oh, this movie's great. This movie's oh great. Trailer you know, doesn't sell, do it justice. Goat pro, mm-hmm. Ghost pro. You know what? Kind of, it was so interesting looking at because we're prepping for the end of the year, y'all. So if dates seem funny, it's probably because we're going to go with wide release dates. Otherwise, we have 50 movies to talk about the week of Christmas. But I was looking over, all right, so what have we recommended so far this year? And I realized, oh my gosh, 2011 is the year we have two major franchises that hit their stride the fourth and fifth movies in. This mm. is like Fast Five all over again. Yeah. It's, where it's like, now this is what this is, and it's yeah. going to be. It's super bizarre. It's it's uh, uh, I, I don't... J.J. Abrams is a man who very much frustrates me, but he takes a mm. hold of the series on Mission Impossible 3 and gives Tom Cruise a crew of people to for you to care about. Brings back characters from the first and second film for you to care about. Introduces Simon Pegg, who is easy to care about. Jeremy Renner, clearly introduced here... So he can take over the series, and man, did he get a lot of opportunities to do such things and did not do. But to give Tom Cruise a team of people, because the first three Mission Impossibles are kind of like a lone wolf situation. And this yeah, turns out to be... He's, he's got like two guys with him. Yeah, but it, it, they always has to undergo subterfuge where he fights one of those guys towards the end of the film. Uh, <laughs> the guy helping me. My boss is, my, is the enemy? Yes, yes. We've seen these movies. But th- this is written and not written directed by brad bird because tom cruise is an unstoppable madman and like i like ratatouille and incredibles i want that guy to direct my (laughs) film and he does and this film is fucking gorgeous it still looks great and amazing and and yeah that's why i want more i wish there was more cross-pollination between animation directors and live action directors because in animation you can put the camera anywhere and you can do whatever you want Mm-hmm. And like, that's he carries that into this movie. It's like Brad Bird and Frank Tashlin, and we don't have a lot of other great examples. Yeah. And and, and this movie is wonderful. What, one of the things that's great about it is all those creative gadgets are constantly breaking, mm-hmm. it, which not only heightens the tension, but forces the team to think on its feet. And we have we start to get a better idea of what this team actually is or what the Mission Impossible crew a crew is actually forming in Mission Impossible after like four movies. It's very, very weird. And I don't yeah. know how responsible Brad Bird was and all that. I have to imagine that was Double J. Abrams kind of like I, feeling I out. I think a lot film. of it is J.J. Abrams because the writers are guys off of Alias. Right, right. Yeah. So I, I, I think that's part of it. And this, this Mission Impossible 3, it starts there, but this is without a doubt the best Mission Impossible film. The exception, 6, which I just watched again oh. being so good. Fallout. 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 Fallout's pretty really great. Good. So it's it's better than the la- than the Spectre movie. Um, I'm yeah. halfway through the nature two James Bond film, and I am yeah. smitten and wondering why I don't like James Bond more. But yeah. Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol, uh. so, fantastic, so good. Like everything it wants to do, it does really well. It's got a couple fantastic set pieces. Obviously, it's Burj Khalifa, mm-hmm. Tom Cruise being a madman. Just hanging out on top of the fucking Burj Khalifa, the tallest building ever made. Mm-hmm. And then thinking... everyone forgets at the end, there's also a really cool fight with car elevators. Oh, yes. I love that scene. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Everyone forgets about that because Burj Khalifa and then there's a big sandstorm and there's lots of Tom Cruise running. He made an album but... with Snoop Dogg this week. So. <laughs> I, I, even thinking about that Burj Khalifa scene with him 
on the outside of it makes my hands sweat. And <laughs> I had never, I never experienced this before, but when I saw this in the movie theater, I got vertigo. Like it, Ooh. it's so, ma- it's such a massive set piece and it's such um It's the best set piece of the so whole movie. Well, it really puts mm. you there. It really does. Yeah. More than any other movie I've seen probably in a long time. And yeah, so I, I feel great. like we've, we've hit the problem we hit with Ocean's Eleven last week, which is like, yeah, it's great. It, it's a crowd pleaser. Everyone likes it. Yeah, but it's it's, it's, it's a high it's a heist film that doesn't have a lot to tell you. Like, but secretly, this was happening the whole time. There's not a ton of that, or, yeah. or really like much of that at all. It's just like, oh, this is like a physically aggressive. The heist that Tom Cruise does from here on out in the series, like, really take your breath away, including that one where he has to stay underwater. For, holy shit! Holy shit! That is what that's an incredible stunt, or it's just incredibly plotted. And uh, the series gets better from here. I think it falters a little bit and. Uh, Rogue Nation is that the fifth one? Oh but, yeah, um, I forget about that one. The the one that introduces yeah. uh, Alec Baldwin, who shouldn't have a problem being the next one, right? <laughs> There's no Winona Ryder mm. thing stink on his name right now. Is I there? don't. Well, he won't be touching guns, I'm sure, oh, on boy. the set. He's always but, an office guy. Yeah, I, awesome. I don't know why people don't like Rogue Nation. I really like it, but no, it, it is, just it just doesn't hold a candle to this. This is so fun. true. Yeah. This yeah. is so much better. That's, that's... We've talked so much about Mission Impossible Ghost Prote mm-hmm. without even talking about the plot or what's happening in it. I don't really. remember. And here is the thing. <laughs> I don't remember. And also, I love these like globetrotting action espionage like gadgets fighty movies and i have the hardest time yeah. following what is happening <laughs> like what they they're looking it's, for a vial always why i talk to your then... husband he want is it a disc or a vial that's uh, a, a vial <laughs> on this one <laughs> someone's got yeah. a briefcase no, that has a computer in it i don't know what's happening here <laughs> yeah no they they get framed for blowing up the kremlin which is also a that cool scene. That scene is so amazing. <laughs> and and then now there's like ru- loose Russian nuclear codes, I think, are the MacGuffin. And then they got to set up the guys selling them and set up the guys buying them at the same time. Oh, I should say for our audience out there, content warning, stolen valor. At one point, Tom Cruise will put on the military outfit. With medals he did not deserve. Oh. He did not. He did not win in battle. Content, <laughs> so. I forgot about that whole part. Con, yeah, the only podcast that gives content warning for stolen valor. It, don't <laughs> tell your friend. Yeah, it's weird that Mishpas Ghost Pro does not open at number one. Oh, it, it it shoots back up to number one. Uh, it'll be number one next week, and I think maybe the week after also. And I think it's just like yeah, because three was okay. You know, and just people were like, I might be done with these. And then it was really the critics were like, holy shit, though. This one is so much better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's if, it's weird to think, oh, Mission Impossible is always a big old thing. No, it's kind if, of a slower if, burn. If you fell off the Mission Impossible series at any point, this is a good entryway back into it. It could be one, two or three. It does not matter if you, yeah. you do not. It does not matter even slightly if you have seen those films. No. Uh, this is what the series will become. They are much more James Bondy. And Fast and the Furious is good because they they, do, they shoot a very similar set piece in the same building. Like, <laughs> next film. <laughs> this film in particular is goddamn great. And, and mm-hmm. the blowing up the Kremlin reminds me of, like, that is done with, like, an animator's eye. I really think that's a Brad Bird touch that makes this movie look really cool. The sh- Like, just the shaking of the entire ground as that happens in the background. It's so mm. cool. <laughs> and it is rentable or streaming on Paramount+. Plus. 
I'm up, Go no content. figure. God damn it. They got me yeah, last yeah. week with Undiscovered Country and I haven't unsubscribed yet. And now a movie I really don't like. <laughs> you know, I don't either. And so many of the critics like this more than the original one. The original they one like is not good either. the sequel more than the original. And I don't get it. They got no problem with the casting, though. Stephen Fry, Rachel McAdams, Eddie Marson, Jared Harris, Naomi Rapace, Jude Law, and Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows. I'm knee-deep in the single most important case of my career. I'm not going out with you just like that. Oh, Sherlock, don't be late for dinner. I've never been late in my life. What do you see? Everything. That is my curse. <laughs> I agree it's not my best disguise. Are you sure you want to play this game? I'm afraid you do, sir. Yeah, the uh, the actioning of Sherlock Holmes continues. Again, uh, I, I don't know why this needs to exist, especially when the BBC had introduced the Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock, which yeah. was like, wow, this is much more in tune with what you think about the character and a way more modern presentation than what's supposed to be the most modern presentation. Did you hear those crunching guitars and those slowed mm. cameras? Fuck that shit. Sherlock is out. And I remember trying to watch this and like, what's the fucking point of this? What? And that's why I don't think they continued after the second film. Nope. It, there's no reason to. No, they've they've talked about it on and off. And uh, yeah, there's supposed to be another one coming. It was supposed to come out like right about now, but it got pushed back and then COVID and blah, blah, blah. So Robert Downey Jr. can grow out his fucking do little hair again? I don't think yeah. so. Yeah. So, I mean... I okay. Let me say nice things. Um, <laughs> I I like when you take a director with a specific style and you let him do that style, and you sure. don't just corporate him up and tell him what to do. So Guy Ritchie is Guy Ritchieing all the fuck over your face on this one, and sometimes that looks cool, and sometimes it's super annoying. I was really hopeful when they added Numi Rapace because she's Numi in the Rapace. the original Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, mm -hmm. and she's really really good in that. Mm -hmm. uh, she doesn't get anything to do. Jared Harris, that is exquisite casting for Beautiful. Moriarty. It's great. He doesn't get shit to do. Yep. Nobody gets shit to do. It just ended up being like kind of bored. And like the first one is dumb but fun. And I would I didn't even have fun this time. This is wow. kind of dumb. Wow. And I was really surprised how many critics were like, "Oh yeah, this is a step forward. This is much better." Oh, and I was how? like, "Is it though? No. Is it?" Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah, that Warner Brothers it's, would be that, desperate enough to continue this 10 years later during a pandemic? What? It's definitely one of those that I def I'm almost 99% positive that I'm sure I saw this and I have almost no recollection of it. it. It's it's indistinguishable from the first one in that my eyes roll at in all the same acts at the exact same time. It's very silly. And again, that wouldn't be a big deal. It's just like a, a, imagine making hmm, Imagine making a Star Wars movie that sucks while The Mandalorian is <laughs> mm. um, That's yeah. what was happening to Sherlock, th analogy. this movie. And the public shouldn't be interested in this. They shouldn't. And they didn't clamor for another one for good reason, because we were being better serviced on television. So mm. that's to this film. I, don't, I, I did not bother rewatching it because I just disliked it on such a... And I'm not, I'm not a, I'm a fan of everybody involved, including Guy Ritchie. I like, like I said, I like his style in certain things, mm -hmm. but not here, not, not in Sherlock Holmes. Nuh -uh. I'd, I'd love yeah. to hear defenders of it though so i'm not saying don't like this film but th that's where i was wall to wall the number one movie the box office in every decade this week i'm just like <sighs> they're in the theater day one and just like disappointed on every other level luckily we have television this week oh boy 
television this week to talk about <laughs> Impractical Jokers debuts. Had a film last year, one of the finest shows that has ever been brought to our attention. Never really been <laughs> able to get behind this show. Yeah, what do you want? Right. It's a hidden camera show that yeah. also cuts to the guys behind the camera laughing at their friends. It's like, I get that, but it's like, a, you know, Jackass doesn't do that and ends up having a lot more pranks on their episodes because mm. they don't cut to the guys laughing about them. But Jackass never had a right. had a cruise that you could join and uh, join uh, the Impractical Joker. They have a cruise, is all I'm saying, in a film. They have a cruise? Oh, yeah. Multiple cruises. Wow. <laughs> Look it up. This is definitely one of those things that has a huge fan base that I have no... This is what it's... I, I had no idea about. It's a great metaphor for growing up. I'm like, oh, that thing I tried to like and didn't, I was completely wrong about, has a fan base of millions. And <laughs> if you if you have like a pay too much attention to your Facebook, like Comedy Central Europe, that's where this show is. So like all of my Comedy Central ads from Europe are Impractical Jokers. It's fucking weird. It's on True TV hmm. for us, right? Uh, yeah. They don't have that over there. This, another show that is way more infamous than famous David Milch goes on to create a show directed by Michael Mann, starring Dustin Hoffman and Dennis Farina. There he is again. Yeah. And it is luck. And it is this week it is canceled before it this is, is... The, this is the first death show, right? There you go. Why is <laughs> I was gonna ask you the question, why is this show canceled before its season ends, even though it had already previously been renewed for a second season? And the answer was too much horse death for the show set at a horse racing track. The answer was it was only three, but I would say about half that will in human uh, if you're human math will get your show canceled quickly too. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they couldn't stop killing horses on this this I've always meant to go watch it just to see like what are they doing with these horses that they're I've, killing them. I've heard it's great. Yeah, it I've got great reviews. I've heard it's a great really? show. Yeah, but... after the first episode, they're like second season, let's do this. But then the negative publicity was so bad from that point on. <laughs> and we're, this is like we're not in a Me Too era yet. Everyone is so upset that horses are dying <laughs> in the papers. Like, I, who does this show think it is? I don't want this on my airwaves anymore. Yeah, that a show can stink so to high heaven that much was because it, of negative publicity. It was set at a horse track. Was it a period piece? Right. No, I don't okay. think so. No. Just about degenerate gamblers at a horse racing track uh, with Dennis I, mean, I love Farina. the concept. Yeah. It's too bad. Uh, uh, hopefully, I'm pretty sure it's on Max, so you can watch it right now. And lastly, the first incarnation of the Joy Behar show, Bows on the HLN Network, that used to be the Bill Dance Fishing Channel, I think. The <laughs> Yeah, the the HLN, it was like wildlife and shit. And then uh, Joy Behar was so popular, she's had so many shows on that network in between view hostings. I'm saying the first incarnation is canceled this week. Oh, it, it's it's very, very confusing. She had a game show. She she switched this over to current TV and was, <laughs> I love to say that Joy Behar's show was canceled so it could become Al Jazeera America. <laughs> <laughs> but that is a thing that happened. Poor Joy Behar, a woman I love exclusively from her appearances on Dr. Katz. I'm willing to watch <laughs> almost anything she does because her doc Dr. Katz appearances were so good. Video games of 2011. Uh, December 10th through the 16th, we also have a bunch of ports. Grand um, Theft Auto 3, 10-year anniversary edition for iOS. If you're playing the new definitive versions, that should be a thorn in your craw. Uh, you can play Sonic CD over there. Sims that hit iOS as well. And that is uh, kind of it. Like a bunch of things hit virtual console, like Metroid and Fire Emblem for the 3DS virtual console and Wario Land but uh, 4. But that is about it. 
Not a lot of new releases out during this time. But we're going to tell you who died and lived during this part of the program. But first, got to withstand our plugs. Like saying, go to patreon.com slash laser time to get a bunch of bonus content related to this show and others. Video Game Apocalypse is our video game show. They tend to do our 30 2010 games segments. We're having a tough time doing it right now to some personal issues. No, but we'll get it together. And patreon.com slash laser time is where you can hear all that. An archive of thousands of hours of content and full-length movie commentaries with everyone you're listening to right now and more. Die, where can people find you in? They can find me on the Twitter at listeninerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast. That's at 302010podcast. Coming up next week. Next week is... We might have to do it in three parts. Oh, my God. It's going to go long. What was Steve Martin promoting in 1991 on SNL? Whoa, I didn't even think about it. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Is it a family favorite with Diane Keaton? It is a family favorite with Diane Keaton. Mm. We also have a movie that I hadn't thought about it until the Rewatchables just talked about it, but a movie that's kind of amazing that it even exists because Oliver Stone is going to accuse everyone and their uncle of killing a president. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's it's one of my favorite things of modern-day Facebook where you have a friend who is not only a fan of conspiracies, but Every conspiracy, even the one that like that cancel one another out and put mm-hmm. the uh, put the guy you like in on it, it. But every conspiracy that's in a movie, and then Joe Pesci gets to yell some of this. It's yeah. <laughs> it's fucking well, that's, great. That, like we'll get into it next week. But do I agree with the movie? No, not really. No. Do I think it's a great movie? Absolutely. Yeah. It's hilarious. It's... I think it is a great movie, even if uh, maybe uh, anyway. We also have. Hey, remember, remember, I just mentioned Numi Rapace is in Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Well, we got another one coming. Uh-oh. The Yankee version. But a Sarah and I's favorite trailers of all time. Fucking uh, great trailer. Oh, yeah. thank you for yeah. reminding me of that. One of and, the best. And then, if that weren't enough. <laughs> so I have finished watching The Beatles Get Back. And I immediately prepared for next week by watching another Peter Jackson movie about four guys with British accents <laughs> going on a journey. And next week we will talk about it. Fellowship of the Ring turns 20, bitches. I had no idea what you were segueing to uh, with that <laughs> at all. God damn it. I, I, I've, I've been watching that movie in ep- like what feels like 45-minute chunks for weeks now. I am not done with it. But I, mm-hmm. after everything I watch for current 30, 2010, I'm like, I'm just going to keep watching Lord of the Rings so I'm up to date when we finally get there because I know it's mm-hmm. coming extended and original yeah and then maybe i'll finally sit through an entire viewing of the adventures of tintin Mm -hmm. (laughs) get to talk about that too so talking about oh oh, directors going back and forth from animation and live action yeah so weird. we have a new theme yeah except that one sucks and (laughs) well i'm gonna rewatch it and see what i think i don't know yeah are you a belgian tintin fan you're opinion might not qualify no. it's okay but who died during this period diana well died? this week in 2011 we lost christopher hitchens who's 62 the writer i think the last writer that would go on tv and smoke and drink which i always appreciated mm-hmm. who um had diverse opinions about things i don't know how he would do in the hot take world of today because his, his, his I, opinions were all over the place i hope he had a good afterlife plan no. <laughs> he had none because he was an anti-theist. I know. Mm-hmm. But we also lost Joe Simon, the co-creator of Captain America. He was 98. Wow. Yeah. But got to at least outline Captain America punching Hitler in the face, which is an, uh, an image I never get tired of. Doesn't happen enough in the movies, goddammit. No. Well, with that out of the way, we get to find out uh, who is the boy or girl or something in between who lived with a birthday quiz. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. Birthday quiz. Who's born during this period of 3022? We have a legend this week turning 90. Oh my gosh. Bruce Willis. No, you just guess it every week until sooner or later it'll be true. I, I know his birthday is my birthday. That's why it's funny oh. to me. Oh. <laughs> Never pick All him, right. Diana. Born Rosa Alviero. Alvario? Alvario. December 11th, 1931 in Humacao, Puerto Rico. Her mom moved them to New York City. At 11, she was doing Spanish language voiceover work and made her Broadway debut at 13. Rita Moreno. Rita Moreno. It is Rita Moreno! Hey. I was so worried we would have a Scott Glenn on our hands. I was getting ready to yell at everybody. And it, She's at the forefront of my mind because I see her all the time in the trailer for the new West Side Story. Yeah. This is true. Now, I have learned many fun things about Rita Moreno, who I consider my abuela. <laughs> because I ran out of grandparents, so now I just grab them from wherever I see them. She is only the third person to get an EGOT. Really? And the Emmy that put her over the top was for The Muppet Show. <laughs> Very cool. Awesome. She has also received a Kennedy Center honor, the Presidential Medal of Freedom, and the Peabody Lifetime Achievement Award. I didn't even know they did Lifetime Achievement Awards. Wow. Nice she worked hard to break out a stereotypical Latin Spitfire role. She appeared in Singing in the Rain, King and I, The Ritz, Bill Clinton's inauguration, The Electric Company. Hey, you guys! <laughs> Slums of Beverly Hills, Pinero this week, and she's the only person to do West Side Story twice. And uh, HBO's Oz. And she's I on HBO's Oz. Introduced to her. Wow. Very oh, true. Uh, in 2018, she presented an Oscar wearing the same dress she wore when she won 156 years earlier. Wow. And just last week, she talked about in an interview how she only dated Elvis to make her boyfriend Marlon Brando jealous. <laughs> Very cool. Queen of everything, Rita Moreno. Rita I love Moreno. her. Oh, my goodness. Glad she's still with us. Please make it yeah. till the end 90. of the year. 90. 90. She's killing it. And with that, hey, maybe tell a friend about the show. Maybe join up at our Patreon, patreon.com slash laser time. Support this show and the Laser Time Network. We do appreciate it and try and give you some freebies for your trouble. Let's go out with the concept by uh, Teenage Fan Club from, yeah. wow. Because they play it in young adult like four times. Mm -hmm. And I look mm -hmm. it up and it came out in November 1991. We just talked about that album. Mm. But yeah, tell a friend about the show. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great holiday. We will see you next week. Against her will Says she don't do drugs But she does the